0: Hello, everyone. It is September the 9th of 2020, which means that we forgot about September 11th, because that's the thing that you can do before that day has passed. That was a thing that I saw in my Twitter feed, and uh, I was just kind of like, I'm not surprised that somebody did that. And here we are now, several days after that happened, and I guess I forgot about it all over again. So there you go. All right, there we go. That's quite an opening for the show, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Nick that... talking about his Twitter feed. I was gonna you know say this let's this go was to my Twitter <laughs> feed some more. So uh let's see here. Uh oh there's there's Chris uh, seeing out the notification that the podcast started recording. All right. All it.
1: right. <laughs> let's talk about that one. Let's see where that one goes. All
0: right. <laughs> uh I don't really have much of a tangent to go on today, Chris. I'm kind of relying on you for that. I woke up at like noon today. Uh, and I've, as soon as we are done with this podcast, I'm going to drug myself up so that I can go to sleep at a reasonable time. Ooh. So
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Self-medication to sleep. That's a good way of living. Uh, what would I talk about? I could talk about Cobra Kai, which was really good.
0: Uh, I've only seen a few episodes <clears throat> of that show. Definitely on the uh, to-do list, though.
1: First season, so. really good. Second season, I'm kind of starting to dip out of a little bit. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's becoming too much like Power Rangers, okay? There are too many scenes of really pretty teenagers, well, like 25-year-olds playing teenagers, hanging around, having kind of romantic feelings. Yeah, I'm like, we need to go back to the, the dojo that's actually cool, all right? So let's go back there. So... I have some issues, but I'm hoping it gets better. I don't know. I'm I'm still like in like episode five of season two, so we're gonna see. Cool. Yeah, there we go. All right, Nick. Let's uh let's wrap it up. Let's start heading home now. We did our our Cobra Kai review. All I right. Wish. That
0: means that we talk about um <clears throat> what's the series that people want us to talk about the least? Uh
1: I mean, depending on who you talk to, it's Ayakashi <laughs> Triangle.
0: Well, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> there is something that I should actually address in relation to that, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in the course of things. All There's right, Nick, let's to- let's talk about High School Family. So, <laughs> let's start with my here academia. Okay, we all have right. a lot of manga to get through today uh, because it's you know one of those weeks where all of the irregular stuff hits. Uh, so. We've got a lot to get through today. So let's just kind of fucking do it. My Hero Academia. Number 283. 75. That's not confusing at all to read that way.
1: (laughs) It's going to be really awkward when My Hero runs for 16 more decades. And we get to chapter two thousand eight hundred, or 28,375. So it's actually going to have to go a lot longer than that. Somewhere in the, the... 3400s I guess and then that chapter comes out everyone's gonna be like is it this one or is it this chapter from fucking like 150 years ago
0: you know that doesn't even phase me anymore because you know you've also got I mean I'm already used to like just kind of taking into account the two different negative chaptered arcs of Bleach so uh, no problem no problem man yeah so we get this uh, shot at the beginning of the chapter, which is a very comic book looking thing. Honestly, it's it's all of the uh, kids that were in the uh, the backup group of students of classes A one A and one B that were trying to stop Gigantomachia a few chapters ago, and they are all on the ground and looking pretty distraught as they witness the path of destruction that Gigantomachia has been on. Uh, of course, we saw that his rampage was taking him into a city nearby uh, because their plan seemingly failed. Uh, Shoji tries to check on the condition of, of some of the heroes, the pro heroes that were on the scene. We see that Tokoyami still got Hawks with him uh, along with uh, a few other heroes. He is using dark shadow to, he's seemingly the only person who is actually up in the group that he is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things are looking really bad for this particular group of, of the pro heroes. And yeah, uh, explains as she recaps kind of what happened that uh, basically pro heroes were looking out for them and the league of villains did not consider them worthy enemies worth focusing on. And so as Gigantomachia was on this rampage, Uh, fighting against people like Sun Eater and Fat Gum and a whole bunch of others. Majestic, that one wizardly hero that we saw the last time we talked about this group, uh, summoned a bunch of hoverboards, basically, uh, that carried all the kids away to safety. And
1: uh, I hope he's the new number six hero so it could be another number six hero that everyone's like,
0: yeah, that dude, old Majestic. Like, he dies in this uh, chapter, but he's posthumously awarded the (laughs) title of number six hero. Carrying on from the legacy.
1: (laughs) Like, all the best heroes. The Shield Guy. Ring Dude. His name was Crossed. The Shield Guy. (laughs) Shield Man. The Mighty Shield Man. And... MAGIC PERSON! (laughs) His name was majestic! No, I don't think that's right. And who shall...
0: Where did did this this MC come from? He knows nothing about any of these people. (laughs) Who shall ever forget the next 6th rank hero?
1: The person who worked for Night Eyes Academy that wasn't Bubble Girl, Centipedo, I think? (laughs) (laughs) Centipedo! Whatever! Your de- your days are numbered. Is this a threat?
0: But you also but like uh the MC also is just like super familiar with like all the most obscure, never gets put in any fan works characters too.
1: He's like the next number six hero, that kid from 1A with the tail His name's Ojo, you fuck More like OJ oh no, he's about to be killed. <laughs> what? No he's not <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> who could ever rest in peace, dear, sweet Ojibobo.
0: It sounds like a great manga arc. Let's write it. <laughs> just, just, just keep going. See where this goes. It's like those, It's like the Control Freak uh, episodes of Teen Titans. We're just like, why are we here? Like, oh, wait, actually, this guy's in control of the situation. This is bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <sighs> Shimage. That's how I've been pronouncing her name, and I hope I'm doing that correct because she's been around for a while, so I'm sure the official pronunciation has popped up somewhere. She points out, "Hey, we administered a sedative to Gigantomachia. Shouldn't he be unconscious by now?" And nobody really has an answer for this. Mineta just starts to freak out as he is wont to do, where he just points out, "Like, I mean, have we done the right thing, or did we just make, or did we just make it worse?" It, 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 and of course things are looking really really bad as we cut over to that town that Gigantamaki was heading towards and he is wrecking it while Spinner and Mr. Compress and Toga all ride on his back and Dobby's there too and he looks happy as he has ever looked before he's like yeah! yeah.
1: <laughs> this is great! Right around while people die! Yeah! <laughs> Woo!
0: So that is happening Meanwhile, uh, President Mike has handed off Ujiko to the police, finally. And Ujiko's like, ah, Gigantamaki is coming. Ah, you, you nearly got us all, but oh, you fools. Uh, Shigaraki woke up and he just got, ah, you're all going to die. Uh, and he basically just says, yeah, Shigaraki is going to bring this society crumbling down. As we get over to Shigaraki, uh, who last time neutralized Aizawa, uh Aiza, of course, cut off his leg to prevent himself from losing his quirk, but uh, he's not doing so hot. So he's basically unconscious now, which means that he can't neutralize Shikaraki's quirk anymore. Uh, Todoroki and Bakugo and Deku and Endeavor are Basically, the only ones still up and in anything approaching fighting shape. How dare you? Rocklock is there and he is still looking after (laughs) Aizawa. He can hold things in place after he touches them. He he will be very helpful against (laughs) the guy who kills everyone he touches.
1: All you have to do is to. But if he touches him. Yeah, you're right. I guess he's pretty useless. this.
0: (laughs) The new number six hero, <laughs> Manuel! <laughs> Get up here, Manuel! Now, what's your, super, what's, what's your superhero name? Manuel. Oh, I thought your name was Manuel. You need a better name than that. Look at me. Look at me. I guess I just went on automatic. I... Laugh! <Wow. laughs> Laugh, or I'll kill you, number six. Uh... I say Endeavor is, is still in fighting shape, but he's basically gotten to the point where he's overheated. Uh, so when Todoroki go, kind of regroups with uh, the others, he uh, summons ice and he's like cooled down so that, you know, you can fight more. Meanwhile, Bakugo is pissed off because Deku is basically leaving him in the dust again. Uh, after that last exchange, Deku was able to act in a way that Bakugo could not. We see that Aiza, of course, is really not doing well. Uh, they try and use his binding cloth to apply a tourniquet. And they're like, how do we do with this thing? Because it's, it's a weird cloth that is meant to basically be a grappling hook. though. So that makes sense that they don't really understand how to use it. Rocklock tells Deku to run. but Deku is, he, he looks normal. He's fine. Uh, he's okay. Very in control of his emotions right now. It's fine. His tears are steaming up in the air. It's fine. There's blood on his face. He looks like he wants to kill someone. Speaking of which Shigaraki says, all right, time to die. And then he just starts to like be torn apart. Uh, it looks almost like a cut appears just from his shoulder across his abs and uh, he's like, "Oh, how did that happened," and uh, he realizes, "Oh, I've been pushing my body past its limits to keep moving, but it's okay because I've got a hyper regeneration quirk, so I'll I'll be fine." Uh, uh, and and but then he's like, "Wait a minute, what's the date today?" And so we get there, a little glimmer of hope, which is that there is this huge epiphany that when. Mirko broke the tank and everything that he was in uh, that that 75% completion status was legit. His body has not finished processing all of the changes that were done to it. So he's got all the quirks and stuff, but he's not fully acclimated to them, seemingly. Uh, And uh, so his regeneration is kind of putting his body back together, even so. And so he's like, well, I've got my quirks now, so I'll just kill everyone right here. And he tries to just touch the ground and disintegrate everyone. But Deku has summoned black whips, and they've coiled around all the heroes that are there as he lifts them up into the sky. And everyone's like, what? we're floating. And Gran Torino realizes that he is using Nanashimura's uh, natural quirk. Float, so he has unlocked a second one of the one for all user's abilities. And Deku declares as He floats up into the sky and then comes down, crashing towards uh, Shigaraki. Up here is where I'll beat you, so. This is one of the first chapters of My Hero Academia in like a month or something like that, where I was like, I understood everything that was (laughs) happening very clearly. So
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, it's weird. For, like a, like, a couple months now, in the back of my mind, I've been kind of thinking, I was like, I wonder if they're going to bring up that Deku was supposed to learn the float next, or not. And I hadn't said it, and I wish I had, not because this was going to be, like, some big- I'm sure a lot of people were predicting this was probably going to happen, but for a moment that I could have been like, I was ahead on something in My Hero for once, as opposed to, like, seven months later being like, wait a minute, do you think Dobby might be Endeavor's kid? <laughs> <laughs> Are you starting to pick up vibes? Uh, look, Chris it's,
0: revealed that five months ago. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm starting to get some real inklings. Uh so I I love this chapter. I, I really legitimately thought this was a really good chapter. Uh, the art's great, that moment of Shigaraki's like body just exploding and being like, oh, oh that's okay, I'll just use my hyper-regenerator, wait a minute, what day is today? <laughs> and it's such a great little touch that Deku realizes that his body is too much, is, is, the power is too much for him to keep up with, Yeah, At, unto a montage of all the times his power has been too much for his body.
0: It's... I kinda of sk- I did kind of skip past the moment that it leads to as well that, hey, Mirko is to thank for this opening. Mm. And we see that she is she's still alive and she's still conscious, even because Mirko's just kind of a I I win or I die kind of character. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a nice little recognition of that which is cool yeah it is great
1: and i just i really like the ending there's something very cinematic and awesome about deku using the black whips which we have seen him slowly learning over, like, a year and a half, two years now, like, really getting a grasp on these powers, and finally using it in this big, awesome display to get everybody off the ground and then activating this new quirk, uh, with Float. It's just very satisfying. This is, like, a really great climax. It does make me think that this is gonna be a more, uh, definitive kind of conclusion than perhaps we were, because I really... I'm not sure if we can go anywhere else but down from here in both a Mm. literal and figurative sense. But this is such a great chapter. I don't even really care.
0: I actually have the uh, opposite conclusion that I drew. Uh, I feel not in terms of like the quality of the chapter, but in terms of where it's going, because I think that if you set up like, hey, there's all these other owners of quirks who have had one for all, then I feel as though. The conclusion you draw from that is, oh, Deku's eventually going to unlock them all. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily all within the narrative of the story. Uh, maybe there will be like a time skip uh, and he's got, you know, all of them or something like that. I mean, I am still wondering if this is not the final battle, which I still don't really think it is. Mm. But I am definitely in the dark of like, well, where do you go from here? Yeah. Uh, because obviously, you know, they've got to deal with the stuff that is going on. But it does seem as though we're at a point where, like, if one side wins this battle, then that's it. But the League of Villains has been at work for a long time. We've seen them lose multiple times and still come back. That could still happen. And it definitely and there are still some things that seem to have been teased consistently that seem like they haven't been resolved yet. And I say consistently because there was that whole trader thing that hasn't been teased in a long time. So forget about that one. (laughs) But it definitely seems as though there's been that, you know, reminder kind of placed several different times on plot points, like the Dobby thing. And that I don't know if there's going to be room in this sequence to resolve them yet. Yeah. But we'll see where it goes. I know that I think that there was something that said that My Hero Academia has probably, like, less than five years, but maybe at least two years left in its run. I remember reading that recently.
1: Oda has made me physically immune to any promises that a series is going to end unless
0: it's like, I'm ending this month. But we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it was a good chapter in and of itself. Uh, And yeah, uh, so there's this glimmer of hope in terms of what they're gonna do to deal with Shigaraki. Now they gotta figure out how to deal with Gigantomaki as well, though. it's I like that they have kind of elevated his threat level to the point where it's like, he is just as big a problem for everyone to deal with right now.
1: Low-key, so. so, like, one of the things that's been kind of interesting is that this arc has kind of helped the heroes take some L's. You know, Mer- Crest is dead. <laughs> the big the biggest hit of them all. Mirko lost an arm. Aizawa had to lose a leg. Grand Torino mm. almost looks like he was murdered. It looks like he's still holding on. Yeah. Uh, Hawks has been massacred. Like yeah. it looks like the heroes are taking L's and L's. But the biggest loss of them all is the fact that Gigantomachia is not even remotely inhibited in just destroying these cities. Yeah. Like he's just barreling through them. So that's more devastating
0: than anything else the heroes can really take. And honestly, that might be where we're going is there'll be this because like every hero in Japan basically uh, is involved in this in some way. If a lot of them get knocked out of commission, even if they take down this uh, metahuman liberation front as a whole, then what are you going to do with all these missing heroes, all these dead heroes out of all of these out of commission heroes, suddenly the entire stability of the, of everything is disrupted and maybe that'll tie into like the next generation has to step up. So, all right. Uh, let's move on to Kaiju number eight, chapter nine. This was an interesting (laughs) chapter. (laughs) Guess it's more attack on Titan than even Nick initially thought. (laughs) So, uh, we see the uh, vice captains, uh, the the proctors of the test, arrive on the scene where Kafka took out uh, the big kaiju, and uh, how it exploded when he punched it. And so they're kind of looking around at the body parts and everything, and uh, Ashiro uh, is looking around and is like, kind of, what what the hell happened here? How does a fight? end this way but then they get word that uh the examinees are not they haven't seen the examinees and then they get word from the base that says hey three more examinees took shelter in shelter six and kikaru shinomiya is among them so then they're like that means that everyone's accounted for so they're all good uh <clears throat> uh Hosh- hoshina says to uh I forget I forget what Proctor Guy. Yeah, Proctor Guy is is Hoshina, I think. He calls I'm trying to remember. It's well her cause Mina, that's her name. So he says to Mina, Hey, what do you think is happened here exactly? And she's just like, I don't know, we'll need to investigate, basically. And so she asks that an investigations unit and a disposable unit be put on the scene and that they'll exterminate all the remaining Hoju, basically. Hoshina, however, is thinking to himself as he's looking on the scene that this is just like three months ago on the day that Kaiju number eight appeared. We found a Kaiju corpse neutralized by an unknown entity that was just as mangled as this one. I bet they're linked somehow. It's not that big of a stretch to say that, you know? yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that like a lot of people the scene are quietly having that thought they're just not being nearly so dramatic about it. What? Another kaiju corpse mangled in exactly the same way as one a few months ago showed up. I wonder if they're related. Come on. <laughs> like no, no, no. You got to you got to put some gravitas to it or no one'll take you seriously. You're going to look like an
1: idiot. <laughs> Stare off in the middle distance. Get some steam rolling in. And really, really mull it around. Really emphasize that they're linked. Like, don't say Hang on, they're linked. A
0: second. Linked. Yeah. Here, you give me the, you give me some narration for this, Chris. I was like,
1: all right, uh, dusty evening. There's dilapidated, destroyed buildings everywhere. But you're perfectly in the silhouette of those carcasses. The spiraling destruction all around you. The devastation there. A little small twinkle in the sky, almost like a thought darting across the sky
0: everything around here has been destroyed in exactly the way it was destroyed in that other location three months ago I wonder if they're related somehow
1: okay now there's a clown there <laughs> <laughs> he's, really a not, he's really he's really having it up hmm
2: <laughs> <sighs>
0: all right good (laughs) (laughs) scene no one knows what happens that clown kafka has been taken to the hospital of course ichikawa is there with him and uh provides an update he says like yeah Shinomiya seems to be in stable condition and uh they're treating her with the best science the defense force has to offer (laughs) kafka just goes what about me? I want that! goes like, I mean, you only have a few minor fractures, sir, so you're fine.
1: Uh, the best treatment modern medicine could afford. I
0: want that! <laughs> what a weird thing to, like, demand. Like, I want to have the best treatment. It's like, you want to be so injured that you need the best treatment <laughs> science I mean, has to offer?
1: I'm just saying, now that I know it's an option, I really kind of yeah. want it.
0: But, uh, Kafka actually seems to be reflecting on the test uh, that they were going through before the attack happened. Cause he's like, Hey, you know, I'm going up against all that tough competition. Just reminded me, you know, chasing after your dreams means getting beat at that one th- big thing. You just can't give up every second of every minute. But you know what? The chase can also get you so fired up that you stop caring about any of that. And that was just the reminder I needed. And that's all because, of, and and it's all because you gave me that initial push. So thanks Ichikawa. And we see after this that Mina comes in. But we also see that just before she comes in, she kind of stopped outside the door. So she kind of overheard her old friend, you know, giving that little speech to Ichikawa. So, mm-hmm. but she steps in and uh, Kafka, of course, is oh, Mina, serious. he doesn't say anything to her. Ichikawa is like the only one who reacts to her presence verbally. And she says, very formally, I was informed the two of you transport the severely injured Shinomiya to safety. And she salutes them and says, Your rescue efforts are greatly appreciated. And then she turns and leaves after saying goodbye. And Kafka starts to call out to her, but then he's like, No, not now. I'll speak to her after I become an officer. Just you wait, Mina.
1: I really, so shonen. I, I really want her to be like, No. I'll speak to her after I
0: get a long-running anime list. <laughs> not until then. After she becomes the, the voice actress. In-
1: <laughs> I, I won't talk to her. I will text her, though. That's not cheating. Fra- friends text each other. They definitely don't talk to each other, though. That's only sexual. That's right, Chris. God, Bakuman's really dumb when you like, dissect it from afar.
0: No, what? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Listen, Chris, this woman can't have a publication in Jump unless she draws panty shots, but she's not good at panty shots, so we need to have someone teach her panty shots.
2: (laughs) I forgot that was Try
0: and Extract sexual favors from her in exchange for panty shots, but fortunately, there's a really noble, hot-blooded guy who will teach her all about panty shots just for free because he's that good a guy.
1: (laughs) I legitimately forgot that was a storyline until you mentioned it.
0: There's this new artist too, who, who uh, Takagi is gonna shoot all about how to you know the the ins and outs of being an artist. And Mashiro is gonna feel really like, oh no, is he is he is he falling in love with another partner? Is is, is he gonna is he neglecting me? But then he's gonna finish up with them and come back to me, and uh, we'll never hear from that guy again. The series will get canceled, and we'll just completely forget about him.
1: <laughs> oh, man, what a dumb series.
0: <laughs> uh. But then. There will be this one guy who writes manga by committee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Jesus!
1: That was his entire Jesus! I forgot that! Oh my god! It's like a reminder of every dumb narrative that show had! Holy fuck! I forgot there was like a, a manga chat room by committee and they're like, We're making popular series!
0: But then it didn't work, so he was like, I'll just establish an entire company to do this. Holy shit.
1: Uh, All right, so... (laughs) It felt like Sadistic September, really. I know we're in it, but that really was a moment I was like, fuck, dude, how did I forget every one of these stupid plot points in Bakuman? We recapped this. Why didn't we shit on this more back
0: in the day? I think that we were just more open to it. (laughs) I don't know. All right. So Mina walks off. Kafka makes this bold, like I'll talk to her after I become an officer, which hopefully will be in like 10 chapters as opposed to (laughs) a hundred. Yeah. You were saying last time that, uh, you didn't really find Mina very interesting. And, uh, I think that we're kind of meant to not really get a lot of insight into her just yet. Kind of like to reflect this distance that exists between her and Kafka as it is right now. But.
1: I think there was actually a moment in this chapter. It's on like the page 10 where it's just the shot of her being like, your rescue efforts are greatly appreciated. But there's something about the way her eyes are drawn there that made me feel like there could be more to this character than just like the steel ice queen kind of character that it felt like she was initially. I feel like now I have enough faith in the artist to do something interesting with her character where at the start, mm-hmm. it felt like, Hey, I want a cool, confident. I take no nonsense, female lead who really just won't have a personality besides being
0: competent. And I do appreciate that. Like I mentioned before, that one little moment of her just kind of like waiting outside the room mm-hmm. to not interrupt the point. Kafka's making good, like, it's not like some huge thing that's like, oh, she's you know listening to this. We don't see her thoughts or anything like that. It's just kind of like she was waiting for Kafka to finish that point before she came in to be. And then she acted immediately professional and then immediately left. So. Yeah. Interesting. So then we get to the big part of the chapter. So there was that giant kaiju that was involved in the fight, the one that Kafka punched and blew up. But before that, there was the weird flat-headed uh, kaiju that could speak English that attacked was the first to attack Kikoru and we see that that kaiju is in a toilet stall listening to a news report about the attack on a phone and when he hears that there were zero fatalities he was like wait what what how, how were there zero fatalities I, t- but then he gets a call on the phone and he has the very odd reaction of like, uh, I'm pretty sure you answer a phone like this. And so he answers it. Uh, and it's a call from his boss. Uh, who's like, where the hell are you? Is your, your, your break's over and all this. And his body starts to pulsate and swell up in weird places as he takes on. A human form, and pulls on a uniform as we see him go up to Kafka's cleanup unit, and they're like, "Hey, newbie, you know, make sure you say some before you go, you know, use the bathroom for forever, you know, come on." And uh, he joins them, and as they turn their backs on him, his. Body pulsates a little bit around his neck, which starts to rock back and forth, and he says to himself, Oh, can't go, losing my head now. I like to
1: think that it like, it's self-aware of the pun, like it's a little bit of like a wacky monster. So yeah. Like he was like in the bathroom and he read the news report, and he's like, Looks like this one's really gone down the shitter. <laughs> and he looks around for someone to high-five. <laughs> but there's no one around, so he's sad. And that's why he lashes out and destroys
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's an evil kaiju, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so apparently Kafka is not wholly unique. There are other human-appearing kaiju uh, in this world. Or at least there's one other one. Presumably, it's there's more than just this one, however. So, yeah, like I said... Uh, more Attack on Titan than I expected because that was a thing that became a much, a bigger thing very quickly of uh you know human Titan things. So yeah, I'm, I'm... We'll see where this goes. And I love the reveal th- that he's actually like part of this disposal unit as too as well, but we don't yeah. see his face. So
1: uh, I mentioned before on Twitter that like this was an obscenely tough week for me to pick a favorite chapter this week because like. I was just reading through the chapters, and I was like, wow, there are just so many really, really good chapters this week, and that wasn't even including series like Undead Unlocked Jujutsu Kaisen that we don't add to the recap. But I was like, this is really good. And then, like, halfway through the week, I was like, fuck, and that's not even including series like Kaiju number 8 that we already, like, that was already out. There was also a really, really good chapter because there's something so fucking good about like, the visual of leaving the hospital and seeing, like, that creepy monster and he's just squat up on a toilet like ZERO! nobody died oh <laughs> <laughs> like i was like this is a really fucking great chapter i don't know everything about it this is this has got me interested if nothing else
0: yeah and uh we've got we got character development uh so but this is was the first one of like oh we're getting a little peek at something bigger going on yeah. too so Let's move on to talking about Spy Family. We begin opening on Yor and Lloyd. uh, Not Lloyd, sorry. uh, uh, Yor and Anya.
1: And Bond, Bond, who has a little tennis racket in his mouth, which he's going to destroy. Dogs are just going to rip through that. Apparently,
0: they decided to play tennis uh, while Lloyd is also off playing tennis, so... (laughs) Uh, but Yor is lost in thought while Bond and Anya play and the ball kind of heads towards her. And she, because she was told, like, oh, Lloyd is going to a tennis comp- competition with some work associates. Not a lie. Uh, but she's like, does that include her? Who is that woman exactly? I mean, probably nothing. But I mean, if I had to return to my old life and make Yuri work again, maybe I need to make sure it doesn't come to that. And she's like squeezing the tennis ball in her. Super hitman fingers, uh, and so Anya, of course, can read her mind. So she's trying to, you know, reassure her without revealing that she can read her mind and stuff. Uh, but um, you know, Anya being sweet basically makes her happy. Basically, uh, before we cut over to the tennis competition, last time we saw that. Uh, that Lloyd and uh, Twilight's next opponents were going to be these roided-up giant muscle men. Uh, she, Twilight explains, by the way, I didn't mention this to you, but uh, in this tournament, modified rackets, special gear, doping, and unsportsmanlike conduct, all are allowed, anything goes. And you, so you can have implants reinforcing your skeletal structure, you can place tax on the opponent's bench, but some of the the examples that she's given, n- that she doesn't name by word, but are in this like explanation panel, there is a guy with two rackets, there's a woman with like a Darth Maul double bladed racket, <laughs> there's a psychic guy who's just manipulating a ball mentally.
1: All these are legal tennis rules, Nick. I read Prince of Tennis. You're allowed to have as many rackets as you can hold.
0: Oh. uh, What? (laughs) (laughs) What? So they look at the muscle men over there. And so, yeah. (laughs) She's just like, yeah, I think steroids are involved here. Uh, One of the two muscled up tennis guys decides to be a heel and rip up the uh, side fence. And because of... a fan in the audience was like, Yeah, what me this bad. Uh, uh. Uh, they're super strong. One of them pops a tennis ball. Then he starts mocking Lloyd, being like, Did you pee your pants? Maybe you ought to get your girl there to change your diaper. Why are you chicken? Why don't you say something? Maybe you're an idiot. And so obviously Lloyd's just like, Whatever. <laughs> but Twilight snaps. And destroys both of them, and we see that the game ended with Herb hitting every single smash into their bodies. So they lose, I do, and uh, the phonies win. Hooray! Phony. There's also the yep. weird moment where he's like,
1: You should go have her change her diaper. And she has a little thought where she's like, Of course, I'd be happy to. It's like, All right, I feel <laughs> like that's moving into a fetish. <laughs> That I didn't know
0: about, but all right, you go for it. So, what kind of things would you uh, like to theoretically explore with Lloyd? Yes, <laughs> but what? Kind of, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Lloyd says, "Did you really need to hit them with every single smash?" And she says, "My hand slipped." a bunch of times like 48 times i guess okay so yeah um they move on we get a montage of them progressing through the tournament until they reach the finals and they are up against the person who's running the tournament campbell uh his son and daughter who've been training together since early childhood and uh so of course they're like since you know he's running this tournament we have to be aware of them trying to tip things in their favor all the way you know we have to be prepared for anything so nightfall uh is like okay well we have made it through the finals i'm sure it'll be easy but uh lloyd says he he grabs her hand and so of course immediately nephalia is like <gasps> my heart's
2: not ready oh my gosh that's a
0: But Lloyd just tells her, hey, look, your hand is super bruised. You need to reel it in. And if you go into this thing, it's going to be easy. Then, you know, it might bite you. So, you know, I know you're eager to finish this mission and accomplish it. But you've got to control your emotions and, you know, hold on. But, of course, Nathalia is not willing to hear it. She just says. We don't have time to waste. This is gonna be exactly as easy as I think it is, but Lloyd just tells her I've heard the same thing from a lot of dead comrades. When a spy loses their cool, they usually lose their life as well. How many times do I have to teach you that? But Nathalia, you know, is kind of like gives a noncommittal answer, but she's like, but didn't you also teach me that spies are expendable? And look how you fret over me. What a dirty little hypocrite you are. Okay. But then she realizes that her hands are trembling and tingling and they realize, wait a minute, Uh, odorless, non-lethal chemical agents being pumped into this room because it's legal. You know, the door is locked. They can't get inside. Uh, Lloyd immediately realizes, I mean, we could get through the door, but there's going to be a guard station outside. And if we demonstrate we can do that, then our guard, our cover will be blown. So we have to pretend that we're just normal people who've been caught in this trap. So they are like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll try and reduce the damage. We'll cover as much of our skin as possible. We'll get into these lockers and stuff like that. Uh, nothing for a super spy. Uh, you know, we'll just hold our breath for 10 minutes. It's cool. It's fine. They come out for the match. We see that basically, uh, the Campbell's have been holding back the entire tournament so that, uh, the phonies will also reach the finals. Uh, everyone will bet on them. And then when the Campbell's win, then Campbell himself will be able to collect a whole bunch of uh, of winnings from that because everyone will bet the other way. So the match begins. We immediately see that the Campbell's have super rackets with rockets on because that makes a tennis racket work better. Of course,
2: Uh
0: uh, Nefalia is able to return the ball, but it goes out. So they're like, oh, boy. Uh, I do like one of the things that uh, Carol, the male sibling, says about his racket, which is, hey, don't think of this as cheating. It took a lot of practice to learn how to use this thing. He makes a good point. I mean,
1: yeah, I, it's like this would actually kind of be like learning a whole new sport if you have to physically remember how to manage a rocket powered fucking tennis racket.
0: It could kill you. Like so. <laughs> um, And his sister... Kim, her racket has, like, an extendo whip thing, which I kind of had a little moment when she used it, where I was just like, hang on, no, no, this, no, not out, no. I was just like, it's, it, it, it's a spy cartoon series, Nick. It's okay. It's okay. It's not meant to be. It's it can't not, hurt you. Seriously. It's okay. It's not Prince of Tennis. It's not Prince of Tennis. <laughs> so... Uh, it looks like the Campbells are, are going to do really well. They start racking up the games uh, and uh, they win the first set. So they're like, oh, wow, the phony's going to lose. Nafalia kind of clenches, uh, you know, towels her face off. Lloyd clenches his fist and they're like, all right, here we go. Uh, rocket serve from uh, Carol Campbell and uh, Lloyd returns it. And, then Nefalia basically gets the smash in. And so they, they, they get a break point. And they're like, well, okay, everyone gets lucky sometimes. But, oh, they, it turns out that they're, they're making their comeback. Uh, we don't really see exactly why. I think that the idea was they were waiting for the nerve gas to wear off before they started really pushing themselves. But we don't actually get that literally confirmed from any dialogue. Uh, But just as it looks like they're going to, you know, turn things around, they've won three games in a row in the second set. Suddenly the ground starts to shift and it turns out that there are tiles, panels all across the court in 36 distinct panels. And so it's they can manipulate the court on the fly in order to force uh, the Campbell's opponents to lose. But it's just like, I'm not going to lose to this. Watch my back nephalia. And Nefalia says, that's the twilight who won my heart, the one I can't stop chasing, the twilight I want on my side, the one who showed, turned my respect into love, the twilight whose dreams became my dreams. What I'm saying is, and she says aloud, you and I will crush them together. But of course, in her mind, she's going, I love you. Yes, and she that's what the chapter so. And I'm right. So. What's up? Part two of a trilogy yeah. of chapters, I would assume. Here, yeah so. i'm i'm kind of ready for this one to wrap up there's only so many jokes you can pull off with uh with nightfall
1: yeah the... it's so. it's it's just it really is hammering in the i love you thing to the point where it doesn't feel particularly hilarious anymore i need some time away for her before i can go back to this joke it feels like
0: and unfortunately the focus on this tournament also takes us away from the best characters in the series, hmm. uh, Anya and Bond. So
1: <laughs> They are the best. I do really enjoy the joke, though, that she was annoyed at the two muscle guys, so she literally got the game because she just nailed all of them with a shot every single
0: time. Like, that's an amusing gag. The first 10 pages of this chapter are where it's at its best because you guess get the beginnings of those jokes. And also, of course, you get the conversation between Yor and Anya. And it's nice to see this little bit of insight into Yor that it's not that she is jealous of uh, Nefalia because, oh, she, oh she'll she steal my man away. She thinks, like, if she interferes with this, then it's going to be back where I was before. So that's what she is thinking about in this moment. Um, and that's my favorite part of the chapter is just those, like, first two or three pages, honestly. But we do kind of stick with the tennis tournament for a, a while. And it's... Not as good as some of the other jokes we've seen from this series. Yeah, so let's move on to—I forget what's next. It's World oh.
1: Trigger, Nick. World Trigger. World Trigger.
0: Oh, yes, we are moving things around. We're continuing to adjust. So yeah, we're kind of putting all of our irregularly scheduled series all in a block right now. So uh, last time on World Trigger. Uh... <laughs> last time on World Trigger. Osamu and Yuma were being taken to meet someone, uh, but they don't know who that is. Still, at the beginning of this chapter, Jin didn't tell them. Even off-panel, uh, we see a car arrive, and uh, Shinoda is there. Director Shinoda, uh, and Assistant Director Sawamura, and some girl in a dress. And uh, so, like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. And uh, Yotaro comes running out and he greets the, the girl as Ruka and they embrace. They're really happy to see each other. Uh, she's talking about, oh, you've grown up again. And Yotaro says, they say I'm going to experience rapid growth soon. I didn't know that Yotaro mispronounced words like a little kid. Maybe maybe it's something he's putting on. I always kind of took that he was a lot more of a smart aleck kid than anything. Whatever. Maybe that's why he's putting it on. Who knows? So, uh, this girl is introduced as Ruka Shinoda, Yotaro's sister, uh, and uh, so she's like, "Oh yeah, nice to meet you guys." Yotaro tells me that you're really that you're really good, uh, but Osamu says like, "Wait a minute, Shinoda, but she's Yotaro's sister, but." What? what? so he's you know putting it together I was like wait a minute that doesn't really make make sense so but they're like it's kind of a long story but we do get to that long story in this month so <laughs> so uh, Ruka says like hey uh, you know borders gotten as big as it has because of me and Yotro's existence and Karasawa's hard work and they're like what Mr. Karasawa that that one one guy uh, and they're wondering what the hell Ruka is there for and stuff, and uh, then basically Ruka goes off to do stuff. They drive off, scene change, they go and see Cronin, the weird facial hair guy, and she's like, oh, Ms. Ruka, you're here early. Hey, what's going on? They catch up a little bit, and then Yotro says, Cronin! Let's show Ruka our new move. And he's like, I mean, she'll, she'll get mad at me. Yeah, but we won't be able to do it when I get bigger. Okay, I guess we'll do it. And so the move is that um, Cronin gets on his back and does bicycle kicks in the air, juggling Yotaro, <laughs> who immediately falls directly on his head. <laughs> and th- But then he's like, but it's just a try on body, so I'm fine. <laughs>
1: That has to be a pretty horrifying scene if you watch someone juggle like your kid brother with their feet. And then they land on the head. Skull!
0: (laughs) But I do really like the the delivery, because he just goes, ow. But it's a try on body, so I'm okay. (laughs) I give you permission to laugh at my pain, basically. So, obviously, Ruka is very upset. No, don't do this! And She's kind of upset with Yotro. She kind of escorts him off. And then Osamu is finally like, so, are they... Actually, siblings, but because like, but wait, because uh, she's 16, so she can't be your daughter. She can't be Shinoda's daughter because that would be too young. And so, yes, basically, Ruka and Yotaro's parents were acquaintances of ours that died dealing with neighbor business. So Ruka inherited all they left b- behind. So now we are saying that Shuna and I are actually their relatives so the border will look after them. And Osama's being a great, like, expediting exposition uh, here because he keeps on, like, asking, repeating, but clarifying questions. Like You're related to them? Not quite, you see.
1: (laughs) Oh, but I don't understand. If you don't have the same last name, then how are you related? Oh, that would be useful for making sure you aren't bothered by outside agencies or anything like that, then.
0: Exactly, And you see, <laughs> uh, but we do get this cute scene, uh, as there's, they hear giggling from outside the room. Uh, Yotaro is being tickled by Ruka as she does that. Like, you know, very little kid thing by like lifting him up in the air on her feet and pulling on his arms to stabilize him. Uh, but Ruka see- spots them and she's muted. It's like, Yotro said you wanted to play. I'm not doing this because I love my little brother. <laughs> so, Jean shows up at that point. Uh, they catch up with him. And Osama says, so was Ruka the person you wanted us to meet? And he's like, oh, no, not her. <laughs> I, <laughs> was,
1: I was so worried. There was only one chapter this month because I got to that point. And I was like, if there's not another cocksucking sucking chapter where they fucking tell us who the person
0: is. So we suddenly... At this point, after Gene's like, Oh, hey, I want you to meet, uh, now that you've met her, this will make this easier as we meet this next person. Switch to a try on body, and uh, although keep your sweet clothes on. And so I was like, Okay, as we cut over to a Galapala expeditionary ship, uh, where some people are on it, are talking, and they're like, It's 30 minutes to sunset, it's almost time. All right, let's go. Next chapter, chapter two and one. By the way, that was the two hundredth chapter of World Trigger, and it was just kinda all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, the sister, play
1: with the brother. Yeah, there you go. What's his name finally showed up, I think, after being mentioned a
0: whole bunch of times? The the
1: Canadian dude or
0: whatever. Yes. I guess. I don't know. There's so many characters in World Trigger, and it doesn't come out enough for me to keep them fresh in my mind, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> Nick, oh, who oh. are the who are the five characters in this ship right now?
0: No, so <laughs> <laughs> we get a flashback. Also, sit in the Galapola ship interior, and uh, we to we have it established. That, by the way, this is the same day that Osamu and everyone had yakiniku. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Now, well, now I know. Oh, now I know what day it is. Uh, so we see, you know, people are talking with each other. And one of them says, like, what I'll do is I'll go in my real body. And since I will be going in a try on body, I'll be able to not trigger any of Medan's try on detection system stuff. And they're like, I mean, I guess that should work, but it'll be risky. Uh, but he says, like, I'm not going to like try anything. I'm not going to attack anything. I just want to gather intel. I'm just curious about Medan. Uh, and so. This guy, Rata, goes off with uh, a long-haired Reggie, I guess. (laughs) Nick, just don't let it... Couldn't just be Reggie. Couldn't
1: just be Reggie. No, you can call him that, though. No one could question you.
0: Yeah. So Reggie and Rata go off. (laughs) And uh, they're like, all right, let's go. And rather than be stealthy, we'll just do this in the open. Uh, and they're looking around as like, you know, you know, the, the nightlife in this city and like, huh, try on field lights, maybe, I guess. Uh, and they kind of are just chatting, basically. But Reggie says, you know, if we fail to do a darn thing to slow down Medan's plans, we're going to get an earful about it from after Krator. And Radha says, you're not wrong so that's what's going on that's that's the stakes that they're dealing with right now is that dr Krator is going to be mad at them if they don't do something to affect earth so they're looking around and all of a sudden yotaro shows up he's 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 riding around on hachimaru and he's snacking on something and he just and everyone's like it's him and yotaro just like "Jin, i found them and Jin shows up and uh god what's the scruffy guy's name i forget uh, tsh- time to come to glasses guy.
1: Just call him Hughes. <laughs> it's, <amazing>. it's Hughes. <laughs> uh, z-
0: z- z- Rindo? Is that his name? Someone's saying Karasuma. Are you sure it's Karasuma?
1: No, Karasuma is Scruffy Hottie. Yeah. This, this guy's Rindo, isn't it? D- D- uh, Director Rindo? I don't know. I'm gonna type director Rindo. So, All right. Well, I just got random people. Wait they on. Yeah. Now it's director Rindo. I got the name. I got the name and struggled on his title. I was like, you know who I mean.
0: So, Gene and Rindo show up, and Gene just like, "Hey, would you like some snacks?" So Yuma and Osama are both shocked by this. Uh, and when they hear that they're from Galapala, they, of course, remember that one super black darkness guy that's been captured with the really big black horns thing that they stuck in the drone. I forget his name, but fuck him. And Adora. kind of an <laughs> And Come on. Everyone remembers Enadora so, They're like, so... And Adora was the one who told us that, hey, if anyone comes here, they're either going to be from Galapala or Rhodochrone. <laughs> so they recognize the name as a result of that. So uh, Gene's like, basically, if we were to have ignored Galapala, then that could have they could have interfered in our upcoming plans. So we'd actually been waiting for a chance to make contact with them. And we see that, sure enough, uh, Yeah, they just took Rata and Reggie and just kind of know went and chilled out at some park benches somewhere. Gene introduced himself very, very humbly as an elite member of Border. (laughs) (laughs) Then he introduces Rindo and Yotaro. And uh, Rata and Reggie introduced uh, themselves as well. And Gene's like, hey, listen, if you cannot just don't, Activate your triggers because if other agents realize you're here, things are gonna get messy. And Reggie's like, "Well, that depends." And I was like, come Keep it in your fucking pants. Calm down." So, and he brought to admits like, you know, we attacked your base, uh, and if you are, decide to arrest us, then I guess you'll be within your rights to do that. But we kind of want to hear what you have to say first. So Rindo says, "We want you to quit your current mission." Uh, The mission that Avtokritor has sent you on to interfere with our away mission. And look, you don't have to confirm one way or another if that's actually what you're doing. We're not trying to, you know, screw you over here. But look, we're not happy with, you know, our city being attacked. When our civilians get hurt, that puts us in a tight spot. But you guys didn't target civilians. You went for the hangar. You went for a much tougher target. And so we figured... That you might be open to a conversation. You might want to avoid having an all-out confrontation with us. And we also figured that since that more surgical strategy you tried to implement failed. That you might get desperate and try something more violent. Attack the city, for example. And we can't afford to deal with that right now. So that's the position we're dealing from. So Rada says, so are you trying to like... Warn us off here. Is this like a get the fuck out kind of thing? And Rinda says, no, we're offering you a deal. If you back off for now, we'll work some magic in our organization and delay the launch day of the mission, which currently is set to happen in no fewer than 50 days. So what you guys can do is you can go to Aftokator, tell them we've been delayed by 50 days and claim that your interference was successful. Of course, in the present, Osamu's like shocked by this because like it's I mean, you really are OK with offering to delay the away mission for that. And and Gene tells him, I mean, you know, all the stuff we would have had to deal with, it was going to be two months for us to do this anyway. So, <laughs> uh, But Yuma's like, oh, OK, so you basically bluffed. And like, yeah, basically. <laughs> so, so Rod is obviously a bit skeptical. Especially, and as Reggie puts it, so what, we get to do nothing and just go home and say, yeah, mission accomplished. And Rinda's like, well, you know, depending on how you interfered, you, we could have ended up being delayed by way more than that. Plus, we're trying to avoid civilian casualties. And hey, one more thing I wanna, I wanna add to this. You know, that big old base we call Border Headquarters is one matter, but those of us over at Border's Tamakoma branch, we're hoping to form friendly relations with your world, if at all possible. So, I mean, yeah, hey, maybe that sounds too good to be true. Okay, one more. So, there is a chance that like Galapagos, other vassal states will attack us and we want information on them. So Rodaflow says, like, you're basically asking us to betray them. And Reggie's like, and why should we? And hey, you can just interrogate your that POW you've got and be done with it. Referring to, oh gosh, I'm completely blanking on his name. Fuck. Cool guy. Uh, really. there, that he's actually Hughes so. yeah like Hughes say but it's Hughes so. so they go over that and uh, but Jin just says like yeah um, he's like honor bound or something he won't tell us anything and we've got another source of information but he's kind of a psycho and unreliable so. <laughs> it's kind of an enormous dick basket I can't say that part out loud so much but I mean, he is. And Rindo brings up like, we're trying to, you know, send our heavy hitters on this away mission. But if when we're doing that, our defenses are going to be lighter. What if we're attacked while that happens? What if they go after civilians? And so that's why having this information would be a really big help for us. So Rod is just kind of like, that makes sense. I can't decide to do that unilaterally. I'll have to go and talk to my captain about this. Rindo's like, all right. Anything else you'd like to know while we're here? I will answer to the best of my abilities. And so Rod is like, okay. How did you and your people obtain a Mother Trigger? And in the present, Osan was like, a Mother Trigger? Wait a minute. <laughs> isn't that the thing yeah. <laughs> that creates planets in the neighborhood? Uh, and Rod is like, hey, you know, Midan didn't possess that huge-ass base of yours up until a few years ago. And you've built up, in the meantime, all this weaponry and resources, the hangar that we attacked last time. Deep underneath it, there was this massive try on signature. So I'm guessing that was a mother trigger. So the the growth you've experienced in recent years must be as a result of that. How did you get that? And Rindo says, all right, I can answer that. Yeah, Uh, we got a mother trigger a few years ago, and that was when the organization really started growing. Those of us already in border had been active before then, but more on the down low. We were a smaller group as opposed to now. And he actually gives some lore insight as well. And he's like, hey, look, see here, the the border thing. There's these three dots over it. Those three circles are allied nations on your side. And one of them is Aristera. I'm going to pronounce it that way. I am wrong. I'm just going to say I am probably wrong. But Rod and Reggie are shocked to hear this name. And Rito says, yeah, it was destroyed in a war just over five years ago. The royal family there had helped, held a Mother Trigger for generations. It was thought lost. However, amidst the chaos, the Mother Trigger secretly passed to the remaining royals. The young princess, still a child, and the newborn prince. As their planet was destroyed, they escaped to our world, and Border helped them. You get it now? And so... Rada has come to this big epiphany. He's like, "You're saying that it's a safe haven for aristern royal refugees, and that's how you can control the mother trigger." And is like, "Yep." Also, that aristern prince, the baby, that's this guy. And Yotro says, "In the most beautiful, like, very world trigger way." Sup? I'm a prince. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, that's how I would say it. And yeah, that's the point we end on, is that Yotaro and this girl we just introduced to Ruka, yeah, they're uh they're freaking neighbor royalty. So
1: And we still don't know who they're going to meet. One would have to assume it's probably those guys again, but we still don't actually meet the people who I think they're trying to Jinch trying to
0: introduce them to. So It also appears that Cronin uh, is the bodyguard that was with Yotaro and Ruka when they were escaping. He looks very similar to the guy in the flashback that we see carrying Yotaro. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big twist. Um, I do like it. I like the world building. Um, It's one of those chapters that, again, makes me really sad that World Trigger is a monthly series because it's one of those ones where you're like, Pacing wise, I'd really like to just be very quickly able to read the next chapter, but, you know, very likely not until next month and potentially worse if, you know, Ashihara's health isn't great. So it is like a really exciting chapter, but it's also one that's going to make me very hungry to find out where this is kind of going. And it doesn't help that World Trigger's pace is very much its own where it's like, we'll get there when we get there. We might might do a couple more uh, Rank Wars matches just for funsies.
0: Uh yeah, um, I imagine I can definitely see people saying like you should do a Diamond Mar lives about this because it's a very talky chapter, but it's actually an interesting story—not story, but an interesting conversation that happens because you can kind of see like, yeah, I mean, like Rinda's just like laying everything out and kind of like letting this guy make a decision. So yeah, uh. It's, an, it's the second chapter I like a lot more than the first one, but the first one is definitely necessary to get to this one, huh. uh, obviously. So,
1: yeah. All right, Nick, we're going to move on then to In Zero. And I will note that at, prior to recording this episode, Crunchyroll had not come out with a chapter. Like it was there, but you couldn't access it through anything. So I had to download the chapter through Comixology. So I had to pay for this chapter twice, which is probably going to add to part of the reason why I am not happy with this chapter in one bit. So let's talk about chapter 109 of Eden Zero, Red Cave. Uh, stupid robot bitch is there, and she has to use a cord. That's really the only thing that's fucking interesting about her. She has to manually plug in She's like in that this. one
0: future episode of Teen yeah,
1: Titans. Yeah. which was a sad episode. This This is just stupid and dumb. Uh, she's like, you got to go through this 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 doorway, cause the the thing that you need is in there. The treasure and the beacon are two separate things. So you know, there's that. But she she gives like a like a foreboding thing. She's like, but I can't guarantee you'll come out alive. Such so as powers up our Shonen heroes. Uh, they go through the door and it gets kind of hot. And whoa, Nick, wait a minute, but. Red Cave was a beautiful ocean planet, but they said it was a fire planet. Is this the fire planet part of it? Nick, Evidently. are planets hot in the middle? <laughs> News to me. Anyway. That doesn't make sense. You can't just
0: go straight from ocean world to fire world like in Mario. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> is bullshit. Uh, so uh, Homura gets really hot and she's like, no, I, I don't care. This is just more train. It's not hot to me at all. Uh, And then they literally reach a point where there's just a giant raging Inferno in front of them, basically, like, kind of covering the walls. And she tries to go through it and basically just passes out. Uh, Rebecca's like, oh, no. And then her swimsuit catches fire somehow. And she's like, eek, my swimsuit. Uh, And then everyone else is like This is too hot So Shiki's like You know what I'm just gonna use gravity power And shoot straight through And they're like Yeah that's right With your gravity power You could just go through Oh my god The fire's following him They're like Wait no that's not fire That's magma And I guess Shiki just like I don't know He does like a fucking U-turn Like in fucking Star Fox But you don't see it Try just does a U-turn it. Yeah <laughs> And he just does that little Whoop-de-whoop thing And they all leave Defeated uh, and we get a shot of Amora's butt, and they're like, wow, what are we going to do? And Weiss is like, what about the four shining stars? And she's like, how dare you? He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about you, the useful ones.
0: <laughs> that, that actually is, was kind of a funny moment. Like, what if we had the four shining stars? It was like, how fucking dare you? No! The, the robot ones! <laughs> the good ones!
1: <laughs> uh, which gives a whole explanation, like, hey, none of us would be able to survive it without Ziggy level armor, you couldn't, uh, stupid robots. Like, yeah, he came and obtained the beacon like 15 years ago. So what can we do? And why? It's like, well, what if we use Witch? She can use water ether. And which is like, uh, or not, Witch. sister, sorry. Sister is like, no, we can't do that. Uh, but Witch has a plan, but she had to go back to blue garden. And they're like, Blue Garden? Wasn't that really far away? And then Rebecca's like, yeah, but we could fast travel. Which kind of takes a lot of the intensity and adventure out of like the previous two chapters. So, back at Blue Garden at the Scheherazade Theater there's uh, a big stupid play uh, about two people who will have love and it, it falls apart, but it's a promise. So maybe this is meant to be symbolic of the Nadia thing that maybe we'll find out more about. Uh, but anyways, I guess Witch just watches the whole fucking play while her friends are potentially dying. And then she goes backstage with Jen and Clean, and she's like, Aha, it's you, the the water guy from the Elemental Four. Laguna. Yeah. I know. I just want to call him the water dude, because this is like a very limp dick reveal. When we only met him like three yeah. months ago like this isn't like holy shit Laguna's back like oh I, I yeah we I remember you you were like two months ago
0: it was very very awkwardly uh, timed return for him uh, it really seems as though like this only happened the only reason he ever went away is because they didn't want him around for the big Ziggy thing uh-huh. that's literally because that's literally the only thing that he wasn't around for uh, in the time since the previous arc. And they've had Jean and his sister around the entire time. So, yeah, it, it was very oddly done. I kind of thought that they're that she was going to go and get Amira. A, a yeah. But uh, no, they've got another person from their history who can disguise themselves, right? The only thing that I really have to say about this uh, is two things. Uh, one, I uh, really hate Nadia's whole gimmick. Which is, I'm an old model, sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just kind of one of those lazy character writing things that Hero does a whole lot, it seems like, is when there's not a lot of character to, know, d- they just have a catchphrase instead, basically. But uh, also, positively, Shihir odd. It's a nice name for a theater. So. Yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah.
1: You stay at the uh, theater for a thousand tales and then are robbed in your sleep. That what she did? I thought she just like wasn't it made sure made the guy fall in love with her. I thought it was because she was gonna they were gonna have to
0: consummate, so she told like a thousand tales. He had a different wife every day, and executed them them in the morning after fucking them that night, basically. So she would tell him stories and always end the night on a cliffhanger, so we want to know how the story ended. The next night, she would complete the story and then start telling another one so that she kept on go- going the cycle. And eventually, she ran out of like stories to tell. But that by that point, he had legitimately fallen in love with her. Ah, so. okay.
1: See, in my mind, I mostly know it from the magic card where if you play it, you just start a new game of magic with the cards you have left in your deck. And then Shh. you just basically play on top of the other cards. And then whoever loses that duel loses half their life in the first game. And you're like, yeah, this is
0: meandering and kind of pointless. Thank you, I suppose. I just made this one game last twice as long. Yep. All right. Well, that's that chapter. So
1: let's talk about Chainsaw Man. <laughs> chapter 83.
0: Death, Resurrection, Chainsaw.
1: Mm-hmm. The three, uh, st- those are all sides of the cross, I believe, or stations of the cross. The death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the chainsaw of Jesus. Chainsaw of Jesus, they don't teach you a lot in school because it's pretty metal.
0: The life, death, resurrection, and chainsaw (laughs) of our Savior Jesus Christ. They go
1: up for Holy Communion. You get communion. Then when you take it, you go off to the side, you eat it, and then you chainsaw your way through a vlog. (laughs) And then you pick up that log and you carry it back to your pew with you. I was like, man, Catholic mass is a lot more metal than I remember. That kid's six. He shouldn't be using a chainsaw, but he is. The Holy Sacrament of Chainsaw. You you had to get to it at one
0: point. Rev this chainsaw. It is my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Makima gets ready for her day. Which includes using a a, a lint roll kind of thing to get the hair off of her her dress shirt. I know what that's like. She leads Denji by the hand down the hall. I think this is actually still her apartment building, in fact. Because I think that they literally just walk out the door and they're going down the hall. So... She introduces all of these people who are, you know, kneeling in subjugation before them, a lot of whom have their heads on the floor next to them. And it's like, yep, there's Seraphim, uh, Galgali, Dominion, Virtue, a lot that we don't have never like seen before, but also ones that we saw died like the Angel Devil, like Princey, the, the Spider Devil, like Beam. And she introduced them all by name, and she says, They are all your followers. They and I had differences in faith, but they put their lives on the line and fought to protect you. They've all been waiting for this day, the day of resurrection. A bomb goes off! (laughs) So, last time we were saying, Well, Kishibe is still out there trying to fight Maka. He's doing it now! Here we go! Uh. So there is this entire unit ready to conduct a raid basically on Makima's apartment. There's people in like SWAT gear. Kishibe is ordering people in. Uh, SWAT unit comes storming through the, the door. They spot Makima immediately. She and Denji are on the ground stunned and they start shooting her and alternating shooting her so that she doesn't have time to get back up. And then Kishibe says, Anti-Makima squad, get ready. And there are six guys in suits on a roof nearby as the SWAT uh, group is continuing to shoot at Makima. And Kishibe just kind of says, Forgive me. As the six of them draw knives and slit their own throats after the first one of them says, Hell devil, kill Makima and cast her into hell and we saw that the hell what the hell devil was capable of of course that yeah he'll fucking put an entire fucking building in hell sure but makima while getting shot turns to look at denji and says save me the chainsaw man and well Denji's eyes widen, his own entrails come sprouting out of his stomach and wrap around his neck like a scarf. What verb was that? Sprouting? Sprouting. I love that verb. That is a great word. Pretty sure I got it from Animorphs. Anyway, as the last of the sacrifices for the Hell Devil dies, he says, it's up to you, Hell Devil. And I don't think we actually saw the Hell Devil before, did we?
1: Uh, certainly not like this giant flaming centaur. No,
0: <laughs> it, that's basically what it is. Yes, it's this demon centaur thing, who spots the hole in the apartment while fire is wafting off of his body. Denji stands up with the entrails wrapped around his neck because apparently uh, he's uh, he's reaching his third form evolution. Mm. Uh, he's, he's a ninja now. Yep. All of the SWAT unit are dead. They just are. We didn't see what happened, but they're dead. And Denji pulls his ripcord. Kills the hell devil. Basically. Certainly looks like it. (laughs) On one page, he is pulling his ripcord. And the next page, Denji is landing past the hell devil with all sorts of chainsaws out. And the hell devil is in pieces. And Denji has gone full demonic form. There are this like black scales covering his entire body. He's got four arms and each of the arms has a chainsaw coming out of it. And he's got that entrail scarf trailing behind him. Yeah. And that's it. That's (laughs) the chapter. Greninja sucks.
1: Oh, I have to (laughs) review. Yeah. this. I mean, look. This is a crazy chapter. I have no idea how to even, like, process Chainsaw Man right now. Everything is, like, a mile a minute, it feels like. So, there's a part of it that's like, is is Chainsaw Man, like, is is Denji even in any control anymore? Because Makima just says, save me, and immediately his body starts doing it. Is it maybe that? Yeah maybe is he now susceptible to her orders or you know there's a lot of stuff kind of going on uh and it's just bonkers like the the hell devil shows up and looks like he gets immediately destroyed so i, I don't know it's very cool though it's very huge it's bonkers
0: uh yeah i mean like last chapter denji uh you know makima has told him that he had formed a contract with Pochita. And so I believe the implication was that's why her control didn't work on him. Mm. So yeah, uh, I really have no idea what the hell is going to happen next. Uh, but I don't think that I've really known that for a while because <laughs> Chainsaw Man goes at such a, a relentless pace, both in terms of like, it just goes and just is like, we're done with that. Let's go. Uh, but also relentless in terms of like, yeah, that just happened. Get over it. Let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Indeed. Hey, Nick, I got good news for you. What's that, Chris?
1: Guess who's in All Elite now? Kip Sabian has a mystery best man to reveal to all of us. Right. And you know anything? It's they just keep adding WWE people.
0: Is it a WWE person? Yeah. Is it?
1: It's a very Video fitting rush. one. It's a very fitting one for today.
0: For today? Yeah. Nick, what is today? It's the 9th of September.
1: No, Nick, what is today? It's a holiday. Is it? It's on your t shirt.
0: Oh, it's really? Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. He's just saying he just very right happy there. Then. Yeah. <laughs> He's going by Miro. Miro is all elite. Cool. There you go. Awesome. That was a weird tangent that happened in the middle of this podcast.
0: One uh, well, like, my, I wanted to to say him, but I was like, it wouldn't be him. Because yeah. I'm never really interested in the people who show up in all the after they get fired. But yeah, I was like, oh, awesome. So-
1: <laughs> there you go. It's a big one there in there. Cool. All right, let's talk about this fucking uh, Burn the Witch thing.
0: Yes. So, Burn the Witch, it's chapter three of this limited series. There's only one chapter after this one. Uh, we get a color page as like we've gotten with every chapter of burn the witch so far. This one has like 90% more of Noel's boobs. So I'm sure some people were very happy about that. Uh, stuff is happening somewhere. The Nazi member of that super awesome top of horns council is scolding the squiggly mustache guy that gives Noel and Nina their ninny, uh, their fucking missions and stuff. Um, He's snooping around, and they're just like, Perhaps you caught wind of the crises your subordinates are in. You know, something happened to him? Hmm, it seems like I've given you far too much credit. No, he's an idiot, so yeah, no, he didn't. He hadn't caught wind. All right, well, you are their direct superior. It struck me as unprincipled not to inform you. The elimination of Boggo Parks was approved yesterday evening at 2200. Although the procedure has not yet commenced, it seems Bruno Bangknife <laughs> is already on the way. You are aware of his methods, are you not? Look out for your subordinates at the very least. And then they leave. And he's just like, oh, this is a mess. But come to Bruno Magnife, who last time did a thing to Nini. I think an explosion thing knocked her down to the air and know how to catch her. And Bruno Bangknife says, I ain't trying to kill you. Just keep out of my way and follow orders. And they're OK. So this is. This was a very Kuboism thing that happens here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I did actually really like it when I first read this chapter. So I'll give it that. Because Noel starts to go, you're... And Bruno Bagnet just goes, I can tell by the look on your face, you recognize me. I suppose you would, but I know who you are too. And then Noel's just like, not someone I recognize. (laughs) I have no idea who you are. I had heard some people saying previously about Noelle, I was like, "Oh, I love her character," and I was just like, "Why?" But honestly, if there is something you like about her character, I feel like this chapter probably actually best exemplifies it. I feel like I kind of actually understood her in a way after reading this chapter that I didn't before.
1: Yeah. So. Some of her like dissociated kind of almost Daria-level stoicism yeah. makes a lot more sense in this chapter
0: where things are really crazy now. And she's, you know, basically being a bad shodun protagonist in terms of, rea- you know, they're like, uh, yes, now you'll react in shock. She's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nini, of course, knows who Bruno Bagknife is, but what's somebody like him doing here? And so Bruno Bangknife is like, now's a great time to reveal my evil plan. So he gets on the phone and asks for an emergency dragon blockade. And he says, exclude all the rubberneckers who are gathered, but not the wing-bind employee. You'll be able to tell who it is right away by the Piper's mantle. The one, of course, that they gave to Balgo last chapter so that it would look like he was official with them and stuff like that. So blockade comes up. Bruno demands, detain that employee on the spot. A dragon was using a terrorist attack against a newspaper and he's the culprit. And Nini's like, so you are the chief to give us that mantle. I guess. <laughs> so Bruno Bang Knife reveals his stupid evil plan. <laughs> it's so
1: long and elaborate. It's really stunning that he really was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically done. I mean, the most crucial part, I guess, still hasn't been done, but I could really just stand up here for, like, five minutes explaining it to you. Uh, and, by the way, this isn't one of those things where I kind of feel like I'm the good guy in this scenario. Like, I kind of really am pushing out the idea that I'm a dickhead, too. Like, I'm very aware it's kind of evil, but it's okay, because,
0: you know, I'm cool. I'm bag Bagnaife. Everyone loves me. I mean, he does flat out say, like, I'm doing this for glory and money. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So he, in so many words, says that guy is a dragonclad. He can attract dragons. I am using him to and the fact that he has been getting attention around him lately to basically fake an incident so that then I can be responsible for bringing him in and I'll get the reward. And my name will go down in history for basically thwarting this terrorist attack that I actually was masterminding. That's basically what he's doing, and so and he also says, "I'm also well within the scope of counter dragon law, which <laughs> I'm no fancy reverse London lawyer, <laughs> nothing but uh,
1: <laughs> I did write the book on counter dragon procedures. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you see, when my pappy was raising dragons on his uh, chicken farm." <laughs> So, Noel has this to say to Bruno: "I must say, your die job is so cringe." And Bruno's really pissed off about this. Like he is immediately like drops the smug act. He's like, "Fuck you! I'll kill you!" So, you know, good guy, good guy, this Bruno. Uh uh-huh. Title page, you know, ten pages in. She makes me special is our chapter title. Nick, is it really a
1: Kubo chapter if the title doesn't show up halfway to at the very end of a chapter?
0: I mean, I sometimes don't think it's really a Kubo chapter unless it act- it doesn't show up until, like, within the final four pages. Mm. Of so. yeah. uh, raising power, boom, blah. Uh, Nini is like, hey, good job, Noel. I'm praising you for, you know, you said something cool. And I was like, I mean, I didn't do anything worthy of praise but... okay I'm fine so Bruno Bangknife says I've been treating you nice since you're lackeys but think you can get cocky with me bring on the workers comp forms. I'm writing up two incident reports middle management trash talking for fighting
1: <laughs> I like that he thinks it's really cool too you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. uh uh, a fight breaks out. <laughs> Noelle immediately goes away from Bruno and goes after Balgo to protect him. Since, of course, Bruno's men have headed in to detain him. Uh, boom. She grabs Balgo and uh, Balgo's like, Noelle, you came to my rescue. And Noelle says, yes, I suppose the end result makes it appear as though I have. It's a, it's a good roundabout way of wording it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so Bruno to show that he's British, says, Bloody hell! And uh, Nini has somehow managed to sneak behind him and has him at gunpoint, like, pressing her wand gun thing against his head. And she says, I've got a question for you. And Bruno tries to act douchey to her, but she's like, why did you bring Macy here? And why is she with the dragon? And Bruno's like, keep it to one question, you snort! And he says, Yeah, I scattered her. She found an infant dragon front side and raised it. And Nini is shocked by this. He's like, Oh, you wanted to believe the dragon was my doing too, did you? No, it not me. That woman's one of those humans who are sometimes born front side with significantly strong magical abilities. She's a watcher. She sees dragons. Also, the watcher's citation. <laughs> so. Um, while Nini is distracted by this reveal, he kicks her wand out of her hand, I think. And, um, then Noelle shows up again and she catches Nini's gun out of the air and she double barrels him. And, uh, then Macy slash Marshall, because it's like everyone in this goddamn series goes by multiple names, uh, shows up on the roof. She calls out to Nini. She grabs her. They fly off on Nini's ne- ne- dragon. And uh, then the door bursts open and Ellie the dragon comes bursting out. And Bruno Bangknife says, Bargo Pucks, Macy Bargeux, you're going to nab him and give him the runaround? Rick and
1: <laughs> I want, I so there's like a story kind of going about right now. I don't know the validity to it, but there's people who are like, Burn the Witch is just, like, a part one for potentially more. And I do want it solely because I want to find out what everyone's stupidly British dragon is called. <laughs> like, I just want to like, Oi there, what, what, pip, pip, let's get on there! Then, like, a dragon shows up, I was like, Oi there, let's go save the queen!
0: <laughs> so, yeah, after that, like, black energy surges off and Ellie the dragon... <laughs> Turns into a dark dragon. I <laughs>
1: just I'm now thinking sort of like how bleach everyone had like a, a like a command to release their Sheikai or something like that. Like to command your dragon, you're like, Johnny good show there! <laughs> and then, then you summon he your
0: dragon with the queen <laughs> <laughs> Having a there, I will <laughs> and then the dragon shows up. Going for a stroll IN Osbre Park." <laughs>
1: <laughs> in fucking him. that's a sticky wicked it is <laughs> something like 400 dragon shows up <laughs> oh I think we accidentally lost Nick yeah Nick's uh Nick's audio disappeared I think he's gonna go check that out real quick something might have gotten unplugged I can see you but I can't hear you Did we break Nick's mic? <laughs> no one knows. All right, hold on. I don't know why I needed to do that. Oh.
0: Sorry, it's up for a second. There we go. Wait. So, my screen is frozen right now, Oh. I think that it's uh, my computer trying to process stuff. I don't think it's actually an equipment problem right now.
1: Ah, okay. Okay,
0: There we go. Yeah, it just unfroze, so.
1: It does look like it has your other mic set, though.
0: Ooh, good. Fun. I'll at least do this until I get that sorted, then. Okay. Okay. Ah, uh, it was actually a little loose down there.
1: He summons Rickenbacker. and it's yep. a
0: cool dragon. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So the uh, everyone kind of flies off, and we get uh, a little bit of. My yeti is not among the devices listed that I can actually connect right now. There it is. Oh. Accurate. Right. it it did for a moment. God damn it. it! The fucking display told me something different than what was actually. Okay. It. Oh, wait. Try talking. I'm talking. Okay. There. Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. Set to it. Okay. I'm not going to touch anything now until it goes wrong again. Technical difficulties. It's all part of doing a podcast, anyway. So, uh, Macy is upset that they left Ellie behind. Nini gets really pissed off that she's upset. Macy's like, do you hate me? No, God! they take, quote unquote, refuge on like a radio tower somewhere. And there is a weird sign on the radio tower that says, why well, abuse dragons? Yeah, I don't know. You, you tell me, you know, this society, I don't. So.
1: You wouldn't download a car, Nick. just so yes, you it wouldn't would. abuse a dragon. Oh, shit. All right. Well, <laughs> I guess every, all pets are off now.
0: A few years ago, I had to get a new car. Because I totaled my last one, basically. Do you imagine if like how much I would have loved just being able to just download it, not go anywhere, not go find dealerships that would sell something in my area? So
1: it is a very dumb idea. I'm like, look, if you think people are gonna steal your, you know, six dollar album, if there was a way for me to download like a, you know, twenty thousand dollar car, or whatever, I wouldn't do that in a heartbeat if I could.
0: So. Anyway, uh, Macy says to to Nini, you know, I didn't like being in the group, right? See, I'm just tall and I clean up well and know how to dance. And they put me all this stylish stuff and made me have to be this cool icon. And he's like, yeah, that's why you quit, right? And she said, no, if that was all, I would have quit a long time ago. But I couldn't. You were there. And if I quit, I'd have become a nobody again. But then two months ago, I found that little one. It looked like a dragon straight from a picture book or cartoon and no one else seemed to see it. So I thought it was a hallucination. I thought, oh, you can see things even without drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but I brought it home and it actually drank. I thought, oh, wow, it really is alive. And it's it started to look more, more like a dragon. <clears throat> Pardon me, get bigger and bigger. And it was this dragon that only I could see. So I felt like I had actually become special and you know, going on stage and selling songs and stuff. You and the rest of the group were amazing, but I was the one who wasn't my true self. But if I quit, I'd have nothing. I was sure no one would notice me. But then once I took Ellie home, things changed. I felt like Ellie was giving me strength. I felt like Ellie would take me somewhere special. That man Bruno came to me last night and told me he needed my powers in the dragons. And I thought, this is it. I'm being led somewhere special. And she starts to say something to... Nini, she's like, Nina, I, but then Bruno Bangknife shows up. He's like, hey, you stood still while standing on top of a tower. Anyone could spot you. I found you. So, uh, he basically charges them with a bunch of crimes that they have kind of committed in the course of resisting arrest. But let's put that aside because take a look at this. Balgo Parks' putative dragon designation was just finalized. So from this point on, every witch and wizard in Reverse London has their sights set on quashing him. And Balgo's just like, what's going on? And that's the end of the chapter. The next chapter is the final one. All right. <laughs> you know, saying that, I actually did kind of enjoy this
1: chapter. I think it did go a long way to making Noelle. I don't say I like it. Because the panel where she calls Bruno cringe is awful. I don't think there's a natural way to say someone is cringe without it looking lame yourself. So that was kind of odd. But I felt like I got her more than I did previously. And I do kind of like the relationship between uh, Nini and Macy. You know, in a way where I'm able to enjoy the characters despite the very complicated world that they're in. And all these talks about like counter dragon laws and things like that. I'm like, oh, it's just this girl who saw this creature and no one else could see it and she thought it gave her purpose only to find out she's going to be used by people who don't have her best interest in heart. Like, I kind
0: of dig it. So... <clears throat> it is a, an oddly paced story when you look at, you know, just kind of what's happened over the course of the last three chapters and then to think the next one's going to be the conclusion. So... <clears throat> you Excuse me. Yeah, but eh, I do think that this was probably the most enjoyable of the three chapters we've gotten so far because mm. it was the silliest, honestly. But uh sometimes, you know, on purpose and sometimes not. Yeah. But eh, I don't know. It's I I do I am kind of a little bit taken aback by it's like this is ending in one chapter. Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, or they really don't know how to like apply to all of it.
0: So, let's
1: talk about high school family, Nick.
0: So, new manga in Jump, <laughs> high school family, Kokose Kazoku, which uh, is by Ryo Nakama, who uh, has previously done the Isobe Isobe series. So, if you can believe it. Uh high school family is a comedy, a gag, basically a gag manga, I would say, I guess, but more like it's very understated humor, really. It's about this uh this kid named Kotaro. He's fifteen. It's the day of it's his first day of his first year of high school. He's setting off, and on his way out of his bedroom, he runs into his dad. He was wearing the same high school uniform, and his dad just says, "Yeah, your dad starts high school today too. We're going to school together for the next three years." And Kodro's like, Wait, what? You're going to high school? That can't be right. I mean, if we're both in high school, then something's gone wrong." He's like, "No, no, no. Look, see, There's my acceptance letter from from high, for for high school." And so Kodro's like, "You mean you 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 sat for high school entrance exams?" He's like, of course I did. I sat right behind you. He didn't notice. <laughs> and it's, we kind of like start off from there with like, Kotaro's dad is going to the same high school. And then we just kind of like all the gags that you would expect from that situation then kind of repeat, but it's a little bit escalated because it's more ridiculous that it happens with the next person. So I, was shocked that the family cat going to the same <laughs> high school is not the one they end on. Like,
1: it's really weird. <laughs> it's more surprising the mom would go to school than the fucking cat. <laughs> Why would you... <laughs> it says are so dirty to have her big reveal be after the fucking cats.
0: So, Koto is, like, freaking out over this kind of... Uh, he's trying to like resist it with violence even. Uh, but then and then he's like, look, you can't do that. Fa- what? No, I, why do I have to go to high school with you? It's not going to happen. A- Kotro, I didn't raise you to talk to your father that way. Family being at school at all is embarrassing. Why don't you understand about this? Like, what's so embarrassing about your dad? Speak up. Like, well, your haircut, for starters. It's very OK. <laughs> Haruka K- Kotro's little sister comes in. And she's wearing a blazer from the same high school, and she's like eight years old. I think she's like, yeah, I passed this I was in the same exam- high school entrance exam that you two were in. I was sitting behind you. Hey. So, Kotro's parents, both of them, never went to high school, but his little sister is like an accelerated placement. So, obviously, that's kind of weird. Uh, and yeah, their cat Gomez, he of the bizarrely human face for a cat. Uh, also is going somehow Kotro um, comments on their cat our cat gets uglier the longer you look at him and it turns out his mom is going as well so the whole family is going to the high school short chapters for this series so let's go on to chapter 2 because there were two that came out this week We chapter 2 uh, flashback Cotro passed his high school exam, and then was like, yeah, we'll celebrate today. And then it cuts to the present. All of them are heading into the school together. was like, how did things turn out like this? Good question. Uh, but was like, okay, yeah, great. I'll just keep far away from them. I'll just forget about them, and I'll try and uh, not be spotted near them.
1: I like the note that uh, they all brought bags, but Gomez just brought his food bowl.
0: It's just the only thing he has out on his back, so... Yes, apparently yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a family walking around the school together, all wearing high school uniforms, getting a lot of attention, not just because they're a family at school, but because, like, the fucking dad climbs a tree. Uh, also, so does Gomez. Yeah, That's just what cats yep. do. Yep. Uh, they're walking around. Kotro's like, uh, stressing me out. And his dad's like, we're keeping a low profile, aren't we? And he's like, No. It, your very existence negates a, a low profile. And he's like, look when possible, I want you to try not to move when you're at school. <laughs> I don't know how he expects them to do that, but okay. So Kotro's dad's like, don't be selfish. We want to enjoy high school just as much as you do. And then Haruka's like, big brother, It's not like we're trying to get in the way of your high school fun. I hope you know that. All we wanted was to go to high school. Anyway, they have to go into the entrance assembly. Have to get going. Kotro is still upset because they're getting all these funny looks. And they're at the entrance ceremony and there's this entire family, of course, sitting together. So everyone's like, what the fuck? There's an entire family in high school. Uh, Kotro's dad says he's going to go beat up the guy who just made fun of them. And then the principal finishes up his speech and he's like, next, a few words from the representative of the incoming class. Haruka. And she's like, I'm Haruka. I'm eight years old. And then she's like, my dream is to sell yakisoba at a school festival. Such a tiny dream. I would like to take this opportunity to introduce the incoming class to my family. My father, Ichiro, he was a hard-working salaryman and he always wanted to go to high school. He took the pledge and he's a high schooler now. My mother, Shizuka, people are like, she's a MILF. And they're like, she had been a homemaker, but she wanted to try something new. And after studying, she's a high schooler now. Our cat, Gomez. That's all she says. And finally, my big brother, Kotaro. After graduating from middle school, he's a high schooler now. It was just kind of a B and everyone's was like, that's, that's that's not special about that. It's just kind of normal, you yeah, runs away. Narration says nothing special high schooler Kotaro. The greatest act of delinquency you can manage at the time was ditching the assembly. That's the end of the chapter. So Chris. Back in like twenty thirteen, fourteen uh I actually, you know, did a little bit of talking about uh, Isabe Isabe Monogatari. Um, that's part of like, you know, I was doing videos at the time and I did a you know whole new series running and jump thing. And I was like, yeah, it's a weird comedy in this that I don't think would translate very well um And uh now we see the consequence of uh all new series and jump being made available on Viz in English, which is that, some of them feel very out of my grasp. And um, even more so than me and Roboco, which at least was like, you know, oh, it's like, you know, kind of a comic strip. You know, there's a setup and there is a punchline. There's a setup, there's a punchline. This was just, here's this weird situation. Isn't it weird? I'm like, yeah. Isn't it funny? I'm like I don't know. Um I don't know. I didn't laugh. I didn't smile. I didn't chuckle. And yet I don't know if it was funny.
1: <laughs> Nick, I will say this about high school family. It was dumb. It was obvious. It was pointless. It was short. So I loved it. (laughs) We're, We're two weeks down to giving this the third week review. I'm so pumped. This is the best gift
0: they could have given me. So in comparison to Bone Collection, which was a hideous abomination. And as soon as you read chapter one, you were like, I can't wait to force Nick to read this. You were like... This was nothing. I can't wait to never talk about it again. <laughs> I'd be so glad
1: we don't have to talk about it and recap anymore. Look, uh, I legitimately do find the joke about Gomez kind of funny because there's nothing added to it. It is the surface level joke of our cat's going to go to high school too. And there is nothing more added on top of it. And I kind of admire the perseverance to that lack of a joke. But for the sake of the podcast, I was really excited. I was like, why are there two chapters this week? Was this was this an error? Was I only supposed to be able to access one? And I was like, no, there's just two. We're already two-thirds of the way down, not having to talk about this in the recap anymore. I'm pretty pumped. Is that how this is going to work this time? Yeah, three chapters. That's all it gets. Okay. If next week, chapter three and four come out, i read chapter three. And if I don't like it, I'm like, we're out of here. I'll be honest. I almost tried to kick out Burn the Witch, too. I was like... Yeah, it's technically three chapters. <laughs> I know it only has one more. But I could pop that right out of here, too, if you wanted.
0: I mean, even comparing this to what Little of I got to experience, the first chapter, or at least a very early chapter of that series, deals with the protagonist in, like, full Edo-style artwork trying to hide a porno mag from his wife or sister, girlfriend, or something like that. And is very heavily dramatized whenever she comes in and he has to hide it really quickly. And it's like, all right, that's a joke I understand. And I can see the absurdity of seeing this person who looks like this, you know, 17th century samurai, basically, going to such lengths to do this. But this was just like, hey, you remember... The premise we started off with in an extremely Goofy movie where Goofy had to go to college with Max. Now, imagine there was nothing else in that movie other than just the premise. Like, not, and he's Goofy, Mm -hmm. or there are X Games because Disney owns that too, or Goofy gets a girlfriend, or... Any of the other things that happened in that sequel to the, to the other goofy movie. Just. The father and son have to go to high school together. Also, the rest of their family's there too. But, but it doesn't Nick, actually raise the, the level of humor each time each one's introduced. But, Nick, what if
1: the family cat also went to school? But. But what. What's the joke, though? Like, the, Well, it's a we, normal cat. It doesn't. Well, no, that's the thing is that, like,
0: you're being presented with this and this is all the stuff that we are getting for this weekly consumption of this series. And it's just like, isn't this awkward? Yes. But. And it's not like, you know, like. Kodro's dad threatens to go beat up some kid who made fun of the family. What if instead, like, he had, I don't know, dressed him down in front of the other students or something like that? You know, what if something happened? <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is, no, it wasn't funny. And I just talked myself into that. So. <laughs> let's move on. Indeed. Manga-chan. Let's
1: us uh, Let's pick this pace up. We got about seven more series still to discuss.
0: Ren has been roped into recruiting people to sign Magu's uh, Best Friends book, a.k.a. The Grimoire. He doesn't know how to do this. So, yeah, he goes to his big sister. is like, hey, were you writing this for me? And she looks at it and she's like, what, are you fucking serious? Because it's, you know, some little kidsy book. But then, of course, you off-panel, off Ren explains what it's for. He's like, oh, yeah, Ru's a little pet guy. Sure, I'll write it. Just bring Rue to the shop on prep day. But... She wants something in return, basically. So uh, she kind of forces Ren to, you know, work in the kitchen, basically, uh, in exchange for doing this. So they invite Ruri in along with Magu. Uh, Magu is like, So you will become my next follower. Now write thy name within my book of the Destruction Disciples' Bloods. Yeah, I already did it. Hmm. Then grant me food offerings. Yeah, here you go. She is a good follower. (laughs) Nice little thing, yeah. Um, She's very nonplussed, like, this entire chapter. Uh, Just like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. Um, She kind of sinisterly uh, tells Ruru to eat up and get nice and plump, which makes Ruru kind of freak out a little bit. Uh, She's also just, you know, kind of being a good big sister kind of character, saying like, hey, you know, I've got all this stuff for you. Come upstairs when you're done. And, uh, Magu, hey, stop beating like a fucking animal. You know, I gave you cutlery. Use it. And Magu's like, hmm. And he immediately chops one of his arms off. Very good. He's just like, pleased with how deadly it is, apparently. Uh, then, <laughs> after he's eaten and Ruru goes to check out the clothes Rin put aside for her, uh, he's like, I still need more food in order to regenerate my flesh. Hmm, another food offering. Ooh, piece of candy all the way out the door around the corner into the alley goes into a trash can and naputaku's minions trap him inside the trash can they were lying in wait and uh they all pile on top of the lid trapping magu inside the trash can they pile a cinder block on it and Naputku is, is like, hey, if you use your powers of destruction to blast your way out, you'll be weak after that. You'll spend your en- extended your energy. And then what are you going to do to bite my army of mad hermit crabs? And uh, then he you know, runs off telling his hermit crab minions, summon me when he uses powers and escapes. But fortunately, Magu has an idea, which is that he had chopped his hand off before. And one of his abilities is to turn parts of his body that are, that are separate from his form into mini Magumanuakus. Oh, it's going to sell so many toys. So, uh, the mini Magumanuaku starts making its way over to the trash can, uh, is in the way. And because it's small, he can't open the door. He tries to use an energy blast to do it, but it's like, Oh, I can't really handle that very well. Uh, and, uh, it tries to, like, get people's attention and stuff. Uh, he tries to grab Ren's attention by calling to him, but he's so small that it doesn't work. Uh, so he gets into the kitchen and he sees that there's an open window in the kitchen that will lead him into the alleyway. Uh, so he tries to make his way across that. Uh, and so there's this whole thing, you know, kind of like, you know, a Tom and Jerry, like, you know, Jerry running across very large it's obstacles. very cartoonish, like a video game level little bit actually honestly i could definitely see this exact setup for a video game uh but magu falls when he is latched onto a pile of dishes on a shelf brings all of them crashing down which sucks for ren's family because dishes are expensive when when they break uh but fortunately this small part of magu gets swept up with all the garbage uh and when when it's thrown away so naputiko is gloating blah 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 Ren comes out to throw away the trash, and Naputiku is like, What are you doing here, little human? I'm not dumpster diving today! <laughs> so pathetic. Throw the trash out. Magu's part leaps over towards the trash can where Ma- the big Magu is, is stored and self-destructs, causing a little hole in it so that Magu can come out, and then he reintegrates the small Magu into himself, uses his I-beam to blast Naputiku away, and Naputiku is blasting off again. And uh, Ruru comes down, she, after trying on the clothes, reunited with Magu. Magu wants more food because, of course, he expended all his energy again. Nabutuku is upset because his flawless plan has been flawed. Uh, and he's like, where did I go wrong? Ren says, location and personality, for starters. Boom. Boom. Roasted. Nabutuku says, no matter how much I challenge him, perhaps I am forever destined to fail. So someone sits down next to Naputika saying, when you have big goals like that, they don't often turn out the way you want. You want to see results immediately, so you end up getting hurt. What you lack is a way to improve yourself slowly but steadily. And it's Rin! She's come outside to talk to him. And she says, quit digging through our garbage. Try leading a respectable life. I'll talk things over with my dad. And she points to a, a help wanted sign. So Naputika works basically as a janitor at the family's place now. Yep. That's the janitor. <clears throat>
1: It's fine. It's uh, it's a funny chapter at points. I know there's a little bit of worry because it's not doing super well in the rankings so far. It's a little too early, I think, to get concerned one way or the other. I think
0: it's probably those figures to drop, basically. Yeah, so.
1: I think this is a very good time to start worrying if you're a Mori King fan, because that does not look to be doing well at all. Uh, mm. But I think
0: Magu-chan still is up in the air. <clears throat> Apparently there is... Some news that um, in the next edition of Jump, there was word that season two of Burn the Witch is coming.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe there's some extra thing. I guess, <coughs> or it'll be great. They just like uh, we're just gonna have Kubo. Just have we're just gonna have the duty rights board <laughs>
0: to right Burn the Witch too. Well, just get the guy who drew uh, Samurai 8's do it. <laughs> oh no, he's been through enough. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. We never learn. No, uh, technically Phantom Seer, but we could just skip over oh, Phantom I Seer. Just completely <laughs> forgot about Phantom Seer. It was actually a better chapter this time yeah. than the first one. I like, I, I like the way that the dynamic is growing. Uh, I feel like we've got a better idea of uh, how Riku is going to handle her role in this story. And uh, also, um, actual protagonist guy uh, came across as more likable in this as well.
1: Yeah, they definitely hint that he has some past, which plays a lot to why his personality is the way he is. The art was very, very good again. Uh, There's some good uh, horror elements. He
0: used to always help everyone until something happened. Yeah.
1: All right, but let's let's move on in the interest of uh, Speed to speed. We Never Learn, question uh, 172, a pizza bed equals tomorrow's night's pixie part four. We open
0: on a sexy dream, Nick.
1: It's uh, Yeah, assuming...
0: this is, I mean, like, Uriga has apparently gotten more of a libido uh, in his 20s because...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has a dream of... Asumi in her maid outfit being like, oh, let's kiss again. And he's just like, oh, you're teasing me. And then a bunch of Asumis in maid outfits are like, no, I mean, we've already kissed before. And he's like, oh, dear.
0: And um, uh, then he wakes up. There's one that's in a sexy nurse uniform and one in a sexy doctor uniform. Can't really see her. But yeah, he uh, he has his own little harem of Asumis in different fetish outfits. So. Yeah. Asumi knows what she's doing, apparently, because, yeah, yeah, all that teasing has had an effect on the poor boy. And he wakes up and Asumi's sleeping at his place and he's like, why are you
1: here? And she's like, oops, I meant to wake you up, but then I fell asleep, too.
0: I feel you, girl.
1: (laughs) And uh, she starts talking. And eventually, what she's starting to explain just gets drowned out as Yuiga cannot stop focusing on her lips, and he's like, "Where the where the heck is my head at? I, ah, it must when be that your sexy mouth dream." So floor. much
0: higher than your chin. I don't remember <laughs> it being. that.
1: Uh, eventually, she's just like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Oh yeah." So she's like, "You got to get this together because tonight is the island's big festival. Whoa, we're gonna do a mate tea house." Uh. I- which is kind of weird because it's like a school for children of all ages, but whatever. You could just do it as like a like a family function kind of thing, I guess. Um, there's some jokes about how the other kids are there, like the PE girl who got sick a lot is there, and uh, Yuiga, like her friends like, don't you think she looks super cute? He's uh, Yuega's like, yep, she looks very cute, and the girl gets very embarrassed and moves away. But then Sumi shows up and she's like. Hey, what a smooth talk you are. And then she starts talking. And again, Uega just hears like, and he just focuses on her lips. Kiss, 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 kiss. And he's like, oh, thanks. And he's just like, why does my mind keep going? And she's like, what's going on with you? Anyway, they realize they're not getting any customers. And one of the kids says, "Eh, it's probably because everyone's still kind of nervous of you guys being outsiders. Uh, and Tai Chi's like, but who cares if you're outsiders? I mean, what matters is on the inside. And I'd like now it's just like, bitch. Last week, <laughs> 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 uh, so I feel like I should maybe know this. This isn't wait. This isn't Asumi's mom, is it? Is it just another? Is it okay? She's like, oh, okay. I have an idea. Why don't you guys pass out flyers for this? So they're passing out flyers, and then Sumi shows up, and she also she got a Doctor Fish hat somewhere. It's,
0: it's a it's a festival mask, yeah, the uh, festival it's the kind mask you wear on the
1: side of your head. So. so I guess that's a popular enough mask. It's basically the Mickey Mouse of this world that it's per- pervasive enough to. Well, we find out that yes, it is, <laughs> Chris. So <laughs> yes, uh, and then she also got a bevy of treats. And she's like, "Yep, you want some, but the chocolate banana's mine." And uh, she's, just, she's just like, "Come on, let's you know, let's go have a date." So Yogi's just like, "Whoa, what are you?" And she just shoves her like cotton candy into his face. And she's like, "Hey, how come you can say that to your students, but you can never say those things to me, huh?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Nope, just joking." And by the way, did you notice the indirect kiss of I take? He's, <laughs> ah, I can never be married. <laughs> and ruined. he actually is really upset because he's like, wait a minute. I'm a grown up. An indirect kiss should not be a big deal. And then he thinks back to the dream, which is astounding because I can never remember a line of dialogue for my dreams at all. I always assume people who can are wizards. But he remembers that thing about, oh, they've always kissed. If we get a flashback to when Uega and Asumi were still high school age kids, and he's thinking, what if we really do end up together? Thinking back to that kiss they once shared. And he's like, I think it all started with that kiss. And before I knew it, little by little, and they spend more time together, you know, they're studying for the exams, and then there to celebrate that she got into an academy. And then he hands her a ticket to Doha-Chan Land Invitation. And he says, I was wondering if you'd like to go here together. And then we cut away. And Uyega starts thinking, around that time I started to fall for her. And she just, like, is joking around. She's like, oh, are you perving out again? Uh, then some old guy falls. And I was like, we better get his... I was like, he better get his peanuts! Uh... It's basically a joke how he's like, uh, you know, he's a very stubborn old man who's like, I don't need the help of mainlanders. I carried this big old heavy thing up 7,000 miles and I'll do it every day. Sir,
0: your seventh and eighth vertebrae are sticking out (laughs) of your back.
1: I don't need no vertebrae. You get out of here with your fancy mainlander science and anatomy. I don't want it here. Now I'll take my quits and get out of here. (laughs) You shove my shove my bone choppers back in my body, dong, and I'll be on my way. Uh assume he does very quick makeshift like chiropractic and basically fixes him a little bit. He's like, I'm all better. And she's like, No, you're not. <laughs>
0: you're, you're don't carry anything. You're
1: anything. very old. You can't carry heavy loads for a while. So Uega steps up, picks it up, and is like, I'll handle it. You know what? I don't. do like
0: that before you can do that though, she's saying, like, don't carry heavy loads for a while. And he's like, Oh my back! <laughs> tries to pick up the loads. Oh! Like, I just <laughs> And
1: then you says, like, hey, I've only been to this island a few months, but it's a great place, isn't it? So if you'll just allow me to pay a little bit of my debt of gratitude to this island, it wouldn't compromise an islander's pride, would it? And that seems to, you know, appease the old man. So he's like, Well you you, you better get all the work done. So he does. Uh, but it's very exhausting, and they're like, you know what? So much for advertising. You just spent the whole night working for free like an idiot. <laughs> but hey, actually, good news uh, or news of Uega's good deed and Asumi's work actually seems to spread, and now the tea house is a very, very big success. Everyone's like, wow, you know, you really averted quite a disaster, and you know, you rescued a notorious old grump, and he's even Who's there. old <laughs> grump? He's like, how oh, dare you, grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, and everyone's like, let's toast the young couple. And they're very quick to be like, no, no, we're not a couple. And actually, we're still working. So we can't. They just keep trying to, I guess, like hand them drinks and actually do manage to get them drinking. And Uega is apparently a lightweight because he's just like, oh, my head hurts. And he's like, you had one drink. <laughs> and he's like, must be genetic. My dad couldn't drink either. And then he's just like, oh, hey, you know, by the way, you look great tonight in that outfit. And she's like, where'd that come from? he's like, I don't know. But, uh, hey, you remember that time we kissed? Was that also a joke? And Asumi just turns to him and is like, want to find out? And a bunch of fireworks start going off as they get closer. And it looks like they're sharing a, a, a very intimate but nice kiss. But then as we see, Asumi has her hands on Uega's chest and is pushing away. And she says, sorry, I know, we really shouldn't be doing this. And Yuega's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then they apologize and kind of awkwardly leave. She's like, yeah, I, I, I gotta get some things done. I don't want people to worry. And Yuega pulls out his wallet and pulls out the two tickets to Doha-chan that were never used. And he looks very forlornly at it as the PE girl says, oh, for like, watches her before.
0: she's like, what's going on between those two? So this is a very interesting chapter. Uh, it seems from what we get here that, yeah, so in that six, seven years uh, in between, that uh, Yuiga actually tried to ask out Asumi, mm-hmm. and it didn't seem to work. So it's um, an interesting thing of like, I mean, we know that this ends with the two of them getting together. Or at least that's the premise we were given at the start of all this. But it's interesting to have this idea that, yeah, she flirted with him all, this, him all that time. And then when he actually seems to reciprocate it, she seemingly didn't go forward with it. And that seems to have, when they go past any sort of just the established friendship dynamic they have, run into that same sort of awkwardness. So... It's interesting and uh, something that we obviously have not seen in the other uh, endings to this point, and one that I would expect we wouldn't see that kind of uh, thing going on in the Kirisu one because yeah. then if they're just if they had that hesitation, then he was like, "Well, wait, you were my teach? This, that's kind of weird."
1: <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's almost just kind of just a more mature way of telling one of these stories of the girls and U- Uega's relationship. I mean, it would make sense back in the day if Uega was like, we, we should date! And Asumi would be like, no, because I imagine that her life was going to get a lot more complicated with school, and then med school, and then as it is residency she's in now, it seems like a lot of her life would be blocked up, but there's also been a side kind of element of Asumi that, despite her being the one who's very open with kind of being flirtatious and sexual and everything like that, that when it actually comes down to it, she's pretty nervous about that sort of stuff, and very shy, we've seen elements of that before, So I do like this idea of following this story that there was something there and it went unfulfilled. And it seems like that'd be fun to explore. But more than anything, I don't know why. But the fact that so much of this chapter focused on the idea of Uega being absolutely obsessed with Asumi's lips really worked for me in a way that I'm almost kind of embarrassed to say. It seems like the only time We Never Learn has ever actually been kind of romantic in its,
0: like, physicality. Well, like, because before there were all the comedic bits of, like, oh no, I nearly saw a girl naked! <laughs> but, like, that's
1: the thing. Like, it's a real thing. Like, when you're really in love with somebody, and you have, like, that obsession kind of in there, that it is very relatable to just be like, I don't know why I can't stop focusing on this. And it's, I don't know, it's just... Normally, We Never Learn feels like it has the sexual maturity of, like, a 13-year-old because that's who it's aiming for. But this was one time where I was like, this is kind of a physical element of, like, intimacy and lust that actually feels relatable and, and mature. And I absolutely loved it, man. I don't know why, but I was like, this hits me harder than most other sort of romances and series.
0: Yeah, and I do appreciate also, like, the very subdued way... That they seem like they're going to kiss and then Sumi's like, no, we, we can't do this. I'll see you later. Yeah. And then Uiga's is just sad about it. And that's kind of it. Um, yeah. I think that the way you put it is like, it's, it does seem to be a more mature story is, and it's appropriate because they're, they're adults now. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to act the same as Uiga would when, you know, he's got that more immature, youthful uh, romance stories going on in the other so yeah okay let's move on from there <clears throat> dr stone dog fights, but not a literal dog fight because those are bad plain dog fights uh z equals hard 64 re-lock on time to get stoned uh Ryusui and senku are in a dog fight uh that's the entire chapter they do all sorts of stuff trying to outmaneuver stan Basically, just trying to get behind him and lock onto him. And uh, they act as though they've got a machine gun, but they don't have a machine gun. They just want Stan to think that they have a working machine gun so that he won't immediately just carve them to pieces by engaging in a direct fight. Uh, the plane that they are working on starts to kind of like come apart at a certain point. Uh, and that's why Senku is actually in the plane, so that he can work on it like he's an R2 unit uh, in mid flight. But uh, I really don't think that it's a good idea for him to be taking all these G's when he has just survived a shotgun blast, basically. Uh, There are all sorts of things that happen uh, in terms of flight maneuvers and stuff. And uh, eventually, Senku and Ryusui execute this ridiculous thing called a cobra maneuver, which is basically uh, doing a 90-degree straight-up Uh turn in order to get behind uh Stan. And after that, uh Ryusui removes his flight goggles and is like, video games trained my right hand, so I'm ready for a combo move with your science, Senku. And he leans out of the cockpit of the plane, holding the gun and pointing at Stanley and takes aim at him. It's so fucking (laughs) bad. Because he's flying a plane and he's just like, we're going to point a gun at this guy. And he took his <laughs> goggles <laughs> off to do this.
1: It is a very cool piece of art. And I normally I don't care for Yusei's design because I feel like the, the like black marks on his fingers always feel like kind of distracting and sort of weird. But for some reason in this time it worked completely too. Yeah, uh,
0: it was very co- it was a very cool chapter, uh, but like all action and basically a lot of the same action over and over. So I'm just summing it up like that and say it was good.
1: So, yeah, I, th- I generally enjoyed this chapter. I think it was uh, a pretty fun one, if nothing else.
0: All right, I, Nick, a triangle. I have a little bit of an explanation to give. There's a lot of fan service in this chapter. I posted a video to my Twitter a few days ago, basically acting like I was frustrated and people were like, so does that mean you wanted to, you're wanted? you having regrets? No. You want my, you want, I mean, like if this were mission, you as a Kura family, I would basically have one thing to say about the chapter, which was the confrontation between Joey and his father was kind of cool. And that'd be it. Anyway. A lot of fan service happens in this chapter because they're going over to lose place because there is an Ayakashi seemingly at work and M- M- Matsuri has to find a way to get rid of it. They take a communal bath together and there is a lot of nudity. Uh it, Neg- oh. I would say it's tastefully censored, but it's not. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> special props have to be given to the uh the monsters that when Matsuri looks They've not only perfectly disguised her bits, but also the bits of her friend. They're like, come on, I gotta protect the decency, you know? I look, hey, I'm protecting her modesty. I may be a monster, but I'm not a monster,
0: okay? I may be a monster, but I'm a monster in, like, the literal sense, not, like, in the gets-put-on-a-list sense, okay? I'll I'll devour her soul. Don't get it twisted. I will devour her soul
1: and spend her to a lifetime of damnation. But I will not allow you to peep on her without her permission. That's absolutely not gonna happen. Not in my watch. Not in my house. And it is gonna be my house, because, again, I'm going to devour her soul, send her to the unending abyss, and presumably
0: take over her body
1: and then rain hellfire
0: upon this world
1: but decency Uh, will
0: be respected. I do appreciate legitimately that while Matsuri is kind of like, I don't really think this is good for me to be in. And he is like embarrassed and is trying to avoid looking at them. Suzu is much more concerned about that because she a jelly bitch. (laughs) Uh, And so like when they're looking at her friends and they're naked and the ghost is covering them up, Suzu's reaction is ah, convenient coverage in just the right spots, which is very like, yeah, I, I get it. You're yeah, yeah. But Matsuri's reaction is, oh no, the spirit is growing. So, you know, he <laughs> he's actually more...
1: concerned with the real issue at stake.
0: Yes. Uh, then they realize that in attempting to cover Matsuri's eyes, Suzu is pressing her boobs into his back. They kind of freak out about that. We actually see that because this all basically unfolded because I forget the other girl's name. I I, I remind myself of it and then I forgot about it. Anyway, she snatched the scroll from Matsuri's head. Uh in or because she was like, Well, this can't get wet. Uh but basically all this happened and Shirogani was like, I was going to snatch the scroll, but Jesus, look at all the shit that happened over there.
1: <laughs> I so. do it's such a stupid thing that like. The cat was like, whoa, hoppa hoppa, things got pretty busy over there. I was (laughs) like, the whole point you're trying to do was suddenly freed away from the exorcist ninja. You had your chance and you were like, wow. did you see that girl press her boobs into that other girl's back? That's, uh, (laughs) jeez. I understand
0: my goal was in front of me, but yowie, wowie, things are getting pretty heated over there. I mean, that was, that was... That was, like, three wolf whistles on the scale, okay? And it's <laughs> my, not... About three rotations after it furrowed back into my mouth.
1: <laughs> and I want to stress, I'm not aroused by it. I just respect the entire room's identity that this is a
0: pretty crazy <laughs> scene. So, you know. So, Shirogane uh, actually kind of chimes in confirming Matsuri's old. That thing's way stronger than we uh, suspected thing. So he's like, with my power sealed, I can't even take that thing down. So I've got to rely on Matsuri from here. Lu starts to get dizzy. She collapses to the ground. And Matsuri is like, hey, hey, you, you should go to bed. You need, because she realizes, he realizes, like, mat, uh, Matsuri realizes Lu needs to conserve her energy uh, while this ikon is affecting her. And Lu's upset because she's like, but I wanted to show you my manga collection. Aww. <laughs> This geek, this little geeky girl wanted to wanted to make a friend. I'm I'm very susceptible to this because I've watched all of uh, My Next Life as a Villainess, and that the the main friendship that spans lifetimes in that show is built off of girls being geeky with each other. So, anyway, Matsuri just shouts, "You need to take care of yourself." And Lou as she passes out, says, "You're so cool." But she thinks, I wanted to show Matsuri my collection. And so in her dream, she's in her library. And uh, Matsuri, she's looking around. And she's like, oh, and I took this spirit photo. I want to print it out and stuff. But she looks over and sees the ikon, And it's taking this, you know, huge, grotesque, multi-headed shape. And the ikon is like boldly reaching out to her, like, give me your life force. Let me consume it. And Luke cowers away. But in a flash, Matsuri, in his original male form, appears to defend her. And uh, Matsuri's got the pinwheel that he carries around in his hair all the time. And suddenly he presents it to Lou. And he gestures towards his mouth. And Lou's like, I better do this very erotically. Ah. <laughs> so. We see that in the real world, what is happening is that Suzu is holding the pinwheel in Lu's mouth while Matsuri chants an incantation, basically saying, I put my spiritual energy into this so I could execute this jutsu, and it basically sucks the bad out of her, essentially. And so that happens. The con comes flying out. Matsuri draws his, his sword and cuts it in half and exercises it. Hooray! Uh, Lou wakes up shortly after that um, and they're like we'll have to redo this sleepover sometime Lou however remembers the strange dream that she had a mysterious ninja boy defeated a ghost and so Matsuri's like huh my spirit energy went into her body so I guess that spiritually I'm still a guy I mean why are you surprised by that but okay so Lou's like huh I wonder who he is. He was so cool. And Suzu's immediately like, rival, rival. <laughs> so, yeah. Um,
1: I really th- wish the the third girl had come in because she's not present during any of the Exorcist stuff, I guess, to like, keep her out of it. So I really wanted her to come in and be like, I, I did what you said and ran down to the convenience store, but they say they don't sell headline oil. <laughs>
0: Uh fan there's kind of wrap-up after that. Uh the econ's gone from that spirit picture that Lou took before, but uh they she got a picture of Matsuri who was really excited about being in the limo. And that's the end of the chapter. Um uh, yeah. I mean, I did make the joke about I was like, oh, there's so much fan service in this, but the second half of this chapter is like straightforward but effective. Mm. And it's weird to keep saying this is like the character interaction between these these uh, three girls in Matsuri is like, this is actually pretty nice. You know, this them kind of getting to grow closer and become friends while Matsuri protects them from spirits. I do really like the uh, thought that he had previously, like, hey, it would be nice if we were all part of the same world and could connect through that. Um, just kind of wish that there weren't so many underage ass shots, but whatever. So. You can't win them all, Nick. No, uh, I can't. I
1: I did generally enjoy it. Now we have to uh, double up on me because we actually skipped over Mashal to talk about Ayakashi I, I, I Triangle. So no,
0: I got mixed up. My
1: bad. Yeah, no, that's all good. We're going to talk about Mashal now, Chapter Twenty Nine. Uh, dot Barrett and the
0: Temptuous Magic User. Yeah, apparently, uh, D A U T is now being rendered as dot D O so. T. I can, I can work with that.
1: Uh, so. We're introduced to Love, the fifth Fang, which is interesting, because when we first went down here, I believe there were two characters. There were. So it seems as though one of them has left, and the situation we're presented is that uh, Barrett and Finn are kind of in a a two-on-one scenario, except Finn is worthless, so it's really just a one-on-one. And Love is, um, she's insane. She's immediately like, do
0: you like me? Do you like me or don't ya? And Dot's like, I mean, yeah, you are really cute, Yes. But it, I can't go out with you because I'm in love with Lemon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So he immediately is just like, sorry, I'm a page. Uh, I, I'm playing to get engaged to Lemon. She's like, what? You love someone else? He's like, yeah, sorry. She's like, oh, you could die then. And shoots a giant tornado at him. And, uh, doubt destroys, uh, sorry, Barrett destroys it using a big explosion. And he's like, shit, she's really tough. But, uh, she starts love starts screaming all girls are born princesses you tell them you're cute and you love them and you serve them and any cow you can't do that just needs to die already and both the guys are like yeah, it's kind of extreme isn't it <laughs> and she's like well do you love me or don't you do you and we get the exact same gag before we're like "Ah, oh, i'm into it but no sorry i'm still playing on game to 11 and Vince just like we, did we just do this <laughs> And he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm a really devoted guy." But then, just a tornado just knocks him aside, and she says, "You just don't get it, Daddy." Says any guy who doesn't cherish me, I get to kill. So Barrett's like, "All right, well then, you tell your Daddy that doesn't make a lick of sense." So they they <laughs> go off in a big string of using all their attacks, and she's like, "Wait a minute, he aimed short of me. Is he? Is he trying to block my vision? And we see." Barrett, coming from the side, from the smoke, he's trying to grab her wand, but she catches him right before he can and shoots him away with her tornado, knocking off his bandana, and she's like, no, nah, it's too sad, you're too weak, you can't beat me, and I'm gonna tell you something, the fourth magic can turn a specified target to stone, so the other person who was with her, she says, so if you don't, and the target's the person who opened the underground door, which was mass. It's like, if you The effect's going to take about two hours after he started storing energy. So if you can't defeat me and get to the fourth in 30 minutes, then your mushroom friend's going to turn into a stone. Not that there's anything you can do about it. So she's doing all these big attacks. She's like, hey, you know, once you're in this, once you're in a tornado, you can't. And it has to be so sad for uh, Mushroom Head to have such weak friends. I feel for him. Or I did until he went against Lord Abel. Now he gets what he gets. And, you know, he's clueless, just like you. You're both just so funny. And Barrett starts thinking about all the pain he's in. And he's, like, goes into a flashback of, like, having some kids be like, hey, you got a new broom, right? Trade with me. And Barrett being like, I don't want to. And they were like, okay, do it. And then he just takes it. Uh, Like, someone runs away. And then it looks like he has an older brother. Oh, no, sorry. Older sister. Sister, Yeah, so. sorry, sis. Uh, sorry, I, I missed that part. I forgot about this little note here. For some reason, I thought it was his mom. Uh, so his sister basically gets the broom back and says, like, hey, you know what? If they come back, stop cowering and just start fighting back. And, you know, doubt's like, ah, or sorry, Barrett, fuck, it's never going to stop bothering me that his name's not yeah. Doubt now. He's like, if I can't, but if I can't, you know, if I do it, just get worse. So his sister's like, you give up too easily. But... That's not going to be a problem once you get a real friend. And he's like, what do you mean a real friend? He's like, yeah, someone who will get sad or angry on your behalf. And that kind of person only comes around in your life once in a lifetime. So if you find that friend, never betray them. And we get, like, a collage of all of, like, the encounter in the woods where MASH stood up for, for Barrett when uh, the insane crystal guy was hitting him. And the, the lady with the, like, manipulation magic was like, what a loser. I don't like hot-blooded idiots like you. And he's like, oh, I really am pitiful. Getting scared while she mocks my buddy. And then he says, but I finally got a friend who got angry on my behalf. So Love's just like, all right, well, he's dealt with. Time to beat up you. And then (laughs) the tornado explodes as Barrett says, it's not over. Not when you mocked my friend. And he has a, a cross on his forehead now. And his eyes are lines what? basically yeah and she's like wait a minute he broke my spell and she tries to like knock him out but he, she just blows it out he's like wait he canceled it out his power level just jumped up she's like wait a minute i've heard of that mark children born with the warding cross on their foreheads when their emotions cross a certain threshold their magic is unleashed and they become battle demons the ira Cruz." and we see barrett saying insulting my friends a serious crime machine gun explom 30 minutes before he turns the stone, there's no ways I'll, no way i'll let the two of you stop him so come at me scumbag that's the chapter well
0: cool. cool chapter um it seems as though we're getting a very much more of like a battle in setup oh yeah you know, like this is how this member of, of mash's group has uh this level of power to draw on, and, and this member, and this member, and stuff like that. And uh, I do like that uh, Barrett makes a callback to how Mash stood up for him, and he does the same gesture and the same wording and stuff like that. So, and uh, it's nice to just have this flat out like, yeah, Barrett values Mash as a friend, and yep. he's gonna, it gives him a power up because. That's what friendship does.
1: Yep, that's emotions. just how Shonen is. I also do like that. It feels like we're kind of moving away from uh, Barrett being like a weird, annoying incel, and now he's just weirdly easy to fall in love with chicks. But it's it's mm-hmm. becoming a little bit more amusing and likable. Alright, really quickly going to blast through Black Clover... I don't know where the title page... 163
0: <clears throat> Shadow. Shadow Intel. Sorry, it was
1: on the the cover page of the popularity
0: results that are very... Charlotte Rosalie is the third most popular character in Black Clover, I guess. So
1: Apparently... So uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair showed up at the meeting, and everyone's like, who are you? And he summons a bunch of demons. He's like, I'm the vice captain. There's a small moment where Jack the Ripper, the great hero, is like, hey, aren't you? And kind of alludes to Nature Boy Ric Flair being somebody. Uh, And then he's like, no, that man is gone. Hey, we're short on time. Uh, We have a very elaborate way that this ritual is going to work to open up more power levels for stronger opponents for us to basically beat. Uh, It's in several layers, so it's going to be very video gamey. It's going to be full of demons that we're going to have to fight. The ones at the very top are the weakest ones, but they're on par with the the Dark Triad. So we really have to stop them. But until we get to the final level, it seems like they're not actually going to be able to kill Yami and other guy. So it kind of works out. Uh, by the way, we're going to make this guy our secret weapon because his magic is stupid and broken, and I kind of don't really understand why this kingdom hasn't taken more advantage of it to this point. So, we outlawed him!
0: Yeah. What I, the fuck?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. That seems like a bad idea. He literally counters magic, which is the entire way everything works here. <laughs> and
0: that's the credits. So we're going to retake Yami and Vengeance, destroy the, the Tree of Clefoth... And we're going to do that with Asta. We're going to build an elite force around him. Like the Golden Knights. No, not like the Golden Knights. Shut up.
1: (laughs) You shut up and stop sucking. So, yeah. That's basically a chapter. It's not bad. It's just... It was
0: exposition, and it's a setup so that we know what's going to happen in the next bunch of fights. Mm -hmm. Yep. One Piece. Chapter 989. I can't imagine losing... I have to have all my friends here.
1: Cause they're all together this time, Nick.
0: Uh town has a picture of his daughters, I guess. Yep. Hmm. Uh stuff is happening in the palace. People are running around. Uh I'm going to just try and hit basically the highlights such as um, so Momonosuke splits off from Luffy and follows after Shinobu who is trying to of course protect Momonosuke and sure enough Yamato is just like Momonosuke I am Odin I will protect you and both Shinobu and Momonosuke are like what the fuck <laughs> what are you talking about uh Luffy uh, just goes in the other direction while Shinobu tries to get away from Yamato <laughs> alright uh, Big Mom is pissed off that more Straw Hats have shown up. Fighting is breaking out. Hyoguro is leading Samurai against Takaido's uh, forces. Big Mom seems to want to kind of square off against Brooke because, of course, he's the, you know, soul king and he's she's, he's she has had a, uh, a run-in with him before. And Frankie says, You like my middle bod, Grandma? My name's Frankie. I'm a cyborg. i wish I'm fascinating, too, and tough. <laughs>
1: Fuck, I love Frankie.
0: I love how he just
1: introduces himself like, My name's Frankie. I'm a cyborg.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah. So Nami's like, Frankie, we have to get out of here. She's an emperor. And Frankie's like, oh, come on. Run away from an emperor of the sea. You even trying, Nami? Do you want to make our captain the king of pirates or not? And he starts to go radical beam on Big Mom. But then there is a distraction. A bunch of the numbers show up. They are big and monstrous looking. They are referred to as being the size of oars, which freaks out uh, Nami and uh, Carrot and Brook. And uh, Big Mom's like, "Oh, the things Kaido brought from Punk Hazard." Ah, and is like, "Wait a second! Look what that monster's holding—the Brachio Tank, Usopp and Chopper in there. Let go of that, you giant mole!" Radical Beam! <laughs> um, and he shoots the thing that's holding the Brachio Tank. Of course, people are freaking out because there's a laser uh, beam. Of course, Big Mom has come up behind Frankie like a coward to attack him, and she says, "Was that the target you really wanted to hit, Iron Man?" Shh, don't, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, fortunately, Jimbei is on the scene, and he fucking judo throws Big Mom. Into a row of Robin's hands who roll her out the door and across, over a balcony. Cool. Robin's finally. This may be the coolest
1: thing Robin's done in like six years, to be completely honest.
0: Uh, and Robin and and Jim Bay are like, "Hey, good job, good job," kind of kind of thing. Because uh, before Robin had been like, "Hey, give me some orders," and so they came up with this plan together and they execute it, and they're getting along, so it's nice. Of course, people are freaking out because what the fuck is Jinbei doing here, you know? Uh, then Frankie gets on a Den Den Mushi to contact the Brachio tank and it's like, status report, Commander Chopper. Usopp's not doing so hot inside the tank. He's kind of taking a few tumbles. Chopper's trying to revive him. And he's like, hey, you all good in there? It's docking time. <laughs> and immediately Usopp and Robin, uh, not Usopp or Robin, Usopp and Chopper are like, ah! because all the boys in the Straw Hats are giant dorks. Uh, Queen observes Luffy uh, getting out onto the balcony, and he launches himself up to the roof. He happens to spot Zoro before he goes up, and Zoro's like, where are you going? To Kaido. I'll go with you. Grabs onto him. And Queen's just like, what is going on? He transforms into his Brachiosaurus form to grab them in his mouth. Seems reasonable. Uh, and King also shows up in his Tyrannodon form. And Zora's like, "I guess we can't get up there." <laughs> yeah, the path does seem cut for cut cut off. Uh, we get a scene that I'm sure is going to be very very lovingly rendered in the anime of the Brachio Tank and the uh, bike, uh, the Black Rhino unfolding. And getting ready to dock and then Usopp and Chopper are like, "Ah, it's no fair that there's only one rider, but it's so cool. <laughs> it is very cool. Sanji comes to after having been knocked around, of course, uh, and um, Hyogoro is like, oh, things, you know, Commander Chopper, you know, lured, lured people away from us. And now he's fallen back to the ground. So has the Straw Hat fellow. We're surrounded by enemies on all sides, but strangely enough, I can't imagine losing. It's the Straw Hat crew, as basically every one of the Straw Hats has suddenly come together from this turn of events because Zoro and Luffy weren't able to go back up to the next level, Sanji recovered from being attacked, and of course everyone uh, on the Frankie mech uh, was all there as well, along with Jinbei Robin. So yeah, they're all here. And they're ready to kick ass and take names. And Luffy says, I'm going to go up and take out Kaido. You guys handle the rest. We got this. So It's a
1: supremely cool moment. Uh, someone pointed out this is like the first time we've really gotten like a spread of all the straw hats together, including Jinbei. In like, well, like not including Jinbei because he wasn't, I guess he actually was there at the time. But basically the last time this all happened was Fishman Island. Yep when we finally got like a big scene of all these characters together because okay. they've all been split up for so long and it's supremely cool it's just a great visual of all the characters together and it, like it, it i don't know why it's hard not to be just like really hyped about it you know i like the idea that king and queen are just kind of like hovering up in the air menacingly this big moment of uh basically uh, jimbe and robin taking out an emperor even just for a moment but just like dealing with her in a really cool way
0: it's such a fucking awesome end to a chapter man i don't know yeah and yeah that is gonna do it like you said a lot of really good chapters this week um but what was the best one chris
1: uh my favorite one is we never learn as i said i, I i'm look guys I say generally I'm I'm all about shonen battle and things like that. And if you look at it, I'm like, hey, if you design a monster, you should put like chains and fire and spikes on it because that you know I'm like a twelve year old boy. But deep down I'm a skull Marimon, the best anyone. Exactly. (laughs) But deep down, I am a hopeless romantic and I love a good romance and this has me hooked. I I love this chapter, I loved every part of it. I, I really was just like, this is a fantastic chapter
0: i'm gonna give mine to my hero academia i agree with all the things you said about when you ever learn there there i usually like will i like keep a tab open while we're uh going through the recap and close them as we go through but i leave it open if i want to remind myself that something was good and i left a lot of tabs open this time uh but i think that in terms of like really just hooking me from beginning to end that My Hero Academia uh, did that because like, oh, here's this big thing going on. Here's this thing going on. And we get that big moment, that really captivating moment, really, of of Deku engaging the float quirk for the first time. And it's very satisfying. So, yeah, really dug that. That's why.
1: Yeah. MVP. I'm going to give mine to Deku for that reason. I I Mm -hmm. think it's a great chapter to show off Deku's ability. I think he looks supremely cool with it.
0: Uh, and I'm going to give mine to <laughs> the kaiju who took human form in <laughs> kaiju number eight. Can we call it toilet kaiju? <laughs> for now, I think we'll call him toilet kaiju. Um, there were a lot of great character moments in, in this week. I liked the interaction between Yuiga and Asumi. Uh, I love Ryusui's big pointing the gun out the window moments, Barret taking a stand for his friend. Uh, the developing friendship between Matsuri and Lu, uh, and of course, Frankie being Frankie. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the one that just kind of like took me the most off guard, it was definitely a fucking kaiju just being annoyed in a toilet stall uh, and being annoyed that he didn't get to kill anyone and not knowing how human technology works. So I got to go with that. So. Indeed.
1: Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Chainsaw Man as their chapter of the week and Deku as their character of the week. All right. I
0: was going to do a Freakly Manga recap. We got we went on for a while this time, but so thank you everyone who stuck with us for the live recording here on smashcast.tv slash Twitch twitch.tv slash T. We record the show Wednesdays, somewhere between 7 and 8 Eastern time, uh, p.m. that is. Uh, you can check us out for updates on Twitter, at WMR Podcast, at Rolo T, and at Nick F. Time. Uh, Chris sends out a uh, Twitch link whenever we start broadcasting, uh, not record- broadcasting, but recording. You can also check out our past episodes. We can on to and wherever else that gets sent to after the podcasts are uploaded. You can also uh, join our Discord server in order to participate in a number of different discussion channels. We have an RP channel. We have just a basic manga uh, stuff, a manga discussion channel that goes on. And uh, you can also use that to find the Google Doc that uh, is maintained by NinjaX3i that keeps track of all sorts of things. that are associated with the podcast, stuff we've covered, stuff we're covering in the future, uh, questions for Q&A episodes, all that kind of stuff can be found on there. Uh, we also would like to thank people who support us on Patreon. We uh, that allows us to create bonus content for you guys to enjoy, including an as explained by that we recorded and uploaded just this past week on Animorphs, where I use manga to uh, basically remind Chris about mm-hmm. uh, about the Animorphs franchise. We'd also like to thank our Tyokaris, Steve Mann, uh, Infamous Planet for making the frame that we use for the stream of the of the of sh- uh, the live recording. Uh, And Milo Jack Stillitz and Winston L. Cheddar, who made the opening sequence of Weekly Monger* Recap. That is going to do it. That
1: is going to do it, guys. So we will see you next time. We've gone too long for jokes. Goodbye.